gonna make them an awful gamble. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Watch on a big screen Hisense TV. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Michael. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the best movies you've never seen. This is a big one. This is a big one today. Trevor knows why. This is It's in the title of the, of the podcast, well, so everyone is. knows why. Trevor's always, for anyone who's ever listened to our other podcasts, yeah. Trevor's bagged me for being a fan of this particular movie. And can I just say, for if you aren't a regular listener to Two Blokes, right, <laughs> in our tech world and all the other things, uh, and this is, Stephen, Stephen has uh, demonstrated his movie knowledge over many, many shows now. This is not our first episode. Stephen Fennick is quite possibly Australia's greatest... Uh, fan of Star Wars, greatest collector of Star Wars merchandise, memorabilia, and even life-size mannequins. <laughs> it's featuring... appropriate we're in my theatre room here, which is we're surrounded by Star Wars. I'm going to need and memorabilia. I'm going to need some sort of code word that is Stephen. <laughs> calm down, brother. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's a movie that uh, I've watched. As a as a nine year old in the cinema, I'll never forget the day that I watched it. Yep. But for yourself, I, I think you've told me you've watched it, but on a plane. Is that right? You watched it, was, it on a on a tiny little screen. I on had a, plane. a look. It was uh, end of August, twenty seventeen. So it, was, it wasn't until twenty seventeen that you watched Star Wars, it, which was forty years. Ah, right, because it's now right. forty five well, years. The, 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 which we'll get to, I'm sure. That's it. But yes, yeah. so I watched it on yep. a plane on the way to Berlin because I was doing ah. a Today Show segment that included a lot of t- and you a lot were of, asking me a lot of questions, a lot of about Star Wars yes. toys, and I didn't know what was. I remember dark it was it was the BB-8 and all those other all little droids, right? Pharaoh, and all and those. And I thought ones. I better watch this in case someone asks me or but mentions you, something. You were picking my brain pretty solid. Yeah. I remember at the Heavy. time, but it was really good that you actually got to see it. But. I don't think that's really seen it on a plane. I don't also I, remember I, what happened. I think, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is the actual this well, this week is the forty fifth anniversary of the release of the wow. original Star Wars. It's also the week that Disney Plus releases Obi Wan Kenobi, which takes place 
just before the timeline is Obi Wan Kenobi happens just before Star Wars. Oh, so in between three and four. Correct. Gotcha. So Obi Wan Kenobi takes place ten years after Revenge of the Sith, which was Episode Three, and just before Star Wars, which we're about to talk about. So it's it's a double whammy for the anniversary, but also for those who are warming up to see Obi-Wan well, Kenobi. Following on from the Top Gun timing last week, you've got some serious well, work to do to find us timely, well, important releases every single abs- week. <laughs> absolutely right. Now, it was released in May 1977, but only in a handful of theatres. It was it was written and directed by George Lucas, who his previous films were THX 1138. It was like a dystopian sort of, uh, sort of film set in like a, the near future. But his other other movie, which was actually a big hit, was American Graffiti, I've heard of which that. starred Richard Dreyfuss, Harrison Ford, Ron Howard. They say that was the movie that was the spin-off, the TV spin-off for, of it was Happy Days. Oh. So that was sort of how Ron Howard got involved. Wow. So when he had this idea, yeah, he, his, his, his bid, bid to get this film made is well-documented. And I could have a four-hour podcast just talking about that. And... What he did, he initially took it to Universal Studios, who produced American Graffiti. And at the time, American Graffiti was the most profitable movie in history at that time. So in he other had words, some credibility. In other words, low budget, massive profit. Yep. So he thought, oh, Universal's going to eat this up. Universal said, no thanks, we don't, they don't get sci-fi. They thought sci-fi, no, don't want anything to do with it. Must have been me as the executive. <laughs> Maybe. you remember a time where we're talking, he's pitching this in the mid-70s, sort of early to mid-70s. And the movies at the time were, you're talking Chinatown, The Godfather, uh, Godfather Part Two. They were all sort of dark and dramatic. And that, so, You know what? That actually yeah. helped me understand the significance of this then. Yeah. Because it stood out it was, well, as, it, a, it was, as a genre. At the time, sci-fi was, was more a TV thing. Right. And it was like he like George Lucas was inspired for his love of Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, those, those other movies, those other TV shows he grew up with. And that influenced a lot of what we're gonna what we see in Star Wars, but um, that that was he hit. That's his his bid was trying to create that exciting sort of Flash Gordon like adventures, good v evil, and the whole. But yet, this whole movie and there's the really you, get, you dive into it. He sort of looked at sort of the hero's journey, sort of the whole Joseph Campbell like classical storytelling and the mysticism, and couched that in a way that was never seen before in a science fiction background. So it, that, that, that was kind of the background of it. But it went through a lot of different iterations before what you saw on the screen. So a lot of the – I've got a – I own here the annotated screenplay, which sort of takes you through his initial thought and the next draft and how it, went, it changed. And the original thought to what was on the screen is so different, but he retained a lot of the characters and ideas for the other movies right. that he made. Uh, 20th Century Fox ended up buying the screenplay – but what George Lucas did really cleverly, what he did, he employed a, an artist named Ralph Macquarie. So what he wanted to do, he wanted him to create paintings and images to help sell what it's going to look right, like. Yes, and that really caught 20th Century Fox's attention. It was Alan Ladd Jr. who was his real supporter at 20th Century Fox. He says, "I don't know, I don't understand it, but I I believe in this guy, George Lucas. Yep. So let's have a crack." Right, and initially. Um, his screenplay was 200 pages long. It was this mammoth screenplay. So what he did, he said, right, I'm going to just take this part of it and tell the story. So what he did, he initially took the first third of the saga, and that was what Star Wars became. But the rest he left for a possible sequel. So, so he actually had 
the vision for the he whole... He had a long view in mind. For the yeah. whole thing, yeah. but didn't need to make it all, and couldn't no. make it all, because no. it, it would have been too hard to too make hard. a single and, movie and with that the, whole saga. The, he, he thought, well, look, his goal was to A, get it made, but B, to make it, to hope that it's successful enough to the, have the sequels, the rest of the saga, to tell yeah. the full story. So as, which, as it is... Which it, is interesting, because yeah. it's challenging, I imagine. You've got a saga in mind, and you've got to find the bit that you're going to take, and you've got to make sure it, it wraps it in a bow. So That's right. Well, when you look at it, Star Wars was, you can kind of say it was a standalone. No, it could have look, been a standalone. I yeah. obviously just watched it. One and, thing and that, 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 that uh, well, but I don't want to tell you now, but one thing that was added late that, that you thought, hang on a minute, that was added okay. late in the piece that right. you might have thought, okay, he has a sequel in mind. Now, would you guess the initial budget mm. was $11 million? So it was initially $8 wow. million US dollars. We're talking in 1976. And they, they bumped it up to $11 million. So you had some, you've had, there's no doubt, you can't escape. I'm not aware of the movie. I'm aware of the key characters. You're aware of how tragic a fan I am. I'm very aware <laughs> of, um, I'm frankly annoyed by it. Um, uh, but I respect it. Let me be very clear to everyone yeah. listening. I have a massive respect for Steven's passion for this yeah. movie. I'm all in. I'm all in. Because yeah. you're right, it's not. Anything that's, as I look around the room, it's not anything that's done by halves. My son, when we were at the Top Gun premiere the other day with his yeah, mates, yeah. my son over the next two days was saying, can you send me photos of Stephen's ah, theatre f- to show yeah, the boys? Yeah. I'm looking through my... So we're talking about something here that people, when yeah. they see it, it's... People it's come over here to see it. People so, ask to come in. So I, obviously I know about it. And yes, I yeah. did watch it, but I, I watched it just... You kind of watched it because you had to, though. Yes, I watched Didn't it. Didn't you? Pure and you know, I'm I'm looking out the window. I'm eating dinner. Like I'm watching it just to get the basic principles. Yeah. Some names. I just wanted to get some names so I could throw out, you know, yeah. references. Obi Wan Kenobi, Darth yes, Vader, right? Right. Um. And so I've I've I saw all three on the plane because it was a long trip to Europe. Yep. But honestly, and and genuinely, and people know I have a bad memory. I couldn't have you know re. I couldn't have done a storyboard for yeah. a third of you this. Couldn't movie. have retold the story. No. Yeah, okay. No. no. Okay. Not at all. So, uh, and, and but I'm glad though that you now you will you kind of had to watch it as well for this podcast. Yeah, but it's tough life. I, I told you I think I remember us chatting about it and watching it with an open mind and just letting the yeah. story take you. I yeah. I turned off the lights. Yeah. I sat in front of the high sense. Oh, turn off the lights. Turn, with your wife or just no, you, just you turned up the sound and went. I'm gonna I'm gonna take yeah, this movie. Do in. it properly, mate. Do it properly. Well, let's talk about the reaction and the buzz, and it was massive as you could imagine. Straight out of the box. Here's some funny things, right? Here's some funny things. Prior to the release, George Lucas showed an early rough cut of the movie to his close friends. We're talking Francis Ford Coppola, Brian De Palma. Francis Ford Coppola directed The Godfather. Mm -hmm. Brian De Palma directed Scarface and uh, many movies. He directed um, The Untouchables as well. And he put it together. Steven Spielberg also watched this screening. They all... Hated it, <gasps> except one director who you named the director who loved it, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg loved it. He said at the time, "This is the biggest, going to be the biggest movie of all time. You're going to make millions of dollars." And you know what the reaction from the other guys? Poor Steven. What are you talking about? You talking about right? Anyway, the rest is history. But 20th Century Fox. They tried, they wanted a decent distribution. Remember I said it only opened in a hand, I think about 25 to 40 Mm theatres. What 20th Century Fox did, they said as, what they they threatened the theatre owners that if they didn't 
screen Star Wars or distribute Star Wars in their theatres, that they would be denied the rights to another film that was being made, The Other Side of Midnight, which was this highly anticipated, I think it was based on a Sidney Sheldon novel, this highly anticipated movie. They said, if you don't take Star Wars, you're not going to get The Other Side of Midnight. So all the theorists said, okay, we'll screen Star Wars. It turned out Star Wars was a massive success. Other Side of Midnight was a flop. It was it was didn't make a, a, Solid a, a fraction of what Star Wars did. Star Wars was the first movie to make over three hundred million domestic <sighs> box office. First movie ever. It was also the first movie to cross five hundred million worldwide when it came out. Uh, this it was also the second most attended movie in North America of all time. Sold 178 wow. million tickets over. You got to remember when it was released in 1977. It was in the cinema for a year, and then it was re-released uh, around uh, before Empire Strikes Back came out. So had a massive theatrical run. The only other movie, the, the movie that sold more tickets, was Gone with the Wind, which was released in 1939 and went on to sell 202 million tickets. Wow. Now, this movie, Star Wars, won six Oscars. I did not know that. So, ten nominations. It won for Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects. That makes sense. Best Music, too. So, John Williams' original I score. I think it's great they won costume because, you know, you've oh, got to admit. It's, of course. It's out there. It's remarkable. Course. But it was also nominated. It didn't win. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Alec Guinness, Best Director for George Lucas and Best Original Screenplay for George Lucas. Do you know off the top of your head who won Best Picture instead of it? In 1970, it would have been the 1978 uh, Oscars. No, I don't off the top of my head. Wow. Okay. I'm just, yeah. yeah I, I, find it, I, I find it fascinating about yeah. the Oscars that something like this, so yeah. mega. Well, it was a game didn't changer. Win, didn't it was, like, there, there are filmmakers... Says a lot about that, the Academy. Well, it, it does, <laughs> but... The, the, and George Lucas' The mates. seismic shift of this... When this movie was released, it was a phenomenon. Yeah. And it, it inspired people to become filmmakers. James Cameron, Titanic, Alien, you name it, Avatar. He's on the record saying, this is what made me want to become a filmmaker, wow. watching this movie. And you Others make, have said the same. That makes sense, too, when you think about Avatar. Yeah. It's, a, it's a mystical story from his mind. And that's he watched us. He watched his story come yeah. to life on that's screen, yeah. and he wanted he wanted to do the same thing. But get this: this was the first theatrical movie to be screened in Dolby Stereo. Ah. George Lucas created Dolby Surround Sound for this movie. He wanted the audience to not only see it in good quality, but hear it in good quality. So like he's about, a, he created that? left and right tracks, centre tracks. But so how does that work in the theatres who well, he didn't had, want the movie? There were special... He, he, oh, there were certain cinemas where it was available to watch in 35mm. So he had the 35mm reels coded with the left and right and additional centre and surround channels. So he wanted to make sure those theatres were equipped with the speakers so they could go through. So the virtual, the, the, the 5.1 Dolby Surround came from George Lucas's efforts to make a better sound experience for the audience. So George Lucas, and he went on to pioneer, I'm sure you've heard of THX Audience. Yes. THX, remember one of his other movies was called, called THX. THX 1138? That was a another <clears throat> signature sound quality uh, standard that he created as well. Uh, here's another big thing. Uh, George Lucas waived his normal fee for writer-director. He famously said, look, I'll take a lower fee here, but I want the merchandising rights, which went on to make more money than all the movies. The merchandising. But at the time, 
studios thought that uh, merchandising is worth nothing. We make nothing. So, yeah, sure, you can have the merchandise. Whereas right. now, that's pretty much why Disney that's number is one. what it is. Yes. And it, ironically, too, back when I was telling you about the other studios, Disney knocked it back. Wow. Back in the day. Ironically, now they, now own, they it. own it. <laughs> so isn't that funny how it sort of come full circle there? So, um, yeah, so it, it, since, since then, merchandise has become a big deal. And it was funny because the merchandise for Star Wars, like I've got the original 12 figures here, the rush to get them made in time for the release they missed the deadline. So these were released the next year. Oh. So what happened, this movie was released in May 1977. Kenner, which is the company that won the contract, they said, right, we're not going to be able to get stuff into in time for Christmas. So what they did, they sold an empty box. They said, like, here's the promise of your figures. So you get to this cardboard box with the places where the figures were going to go, and they sold that. That, that was the like the prepaid mail-in offer that went nuts. It's like an early Kickstarter. That's right. It's exactly it. Yeah. So that was the early bird, they call it. So that was, and those early bird cardboard say, sets are, are valuable. Worth? You get one of those in good condition, it's worth thousands of dollars. So the whole collector's thing around Star Wars, and I'm one of them. So those figures, those original 12 backs that I've got up here in my theatre, they didn't appear till 1978. So early the next year wow. when, when they were fulfilled. So yeah. Well, this is our last exit before the jump to hyperspace. So why don't we, uh, if you haven't seen Star Wars, and I, I, I shake my head when people say, I've never seen Star Wars. There are people, though. There are people, but you know what? The good news is if you haven't seen it, you can catch it on Fetch. It's a movie that will embrace many generations. If you've got a Fetch box, then uh, fire up the box, talk to it, and just say Star Wars. And it'll show you each of the Star Wars that are available to rent or buy very easily in the Fetch movie store, along with thousands of other movies. And as I've said before, once you choose to buy, it then leaves in your Fetch library so that you can watch it again and again and again in digital form on your Fetch box. And if you've got another Fetch box in another room, you can have multi-room to allow you to watch that. Maybe you can watch it in your bedroom or in the in the games room, wherever it might be, so you can watch Star Wars anywhere on your Fetch box. And if you haven't got a Fetch box, ring your internet provider, ask them if they have Fetch. And if not, go to Harvey Norman or JB Hi-Fi. So now we can say you've you've really watched Star Wars. Oh, this I, was I remember you sent me you sent me the photo of the very first frame and the yeah. sent me the photo of the very last frame, and it was exactly two hours apart. So I'm thinking, yeah, you've officially yeah, watched I, it. I really did watch it. Um, yeah. So wow, um, <laughs> this is nerve wracking, mate. Because you know, I, the, yeah, yep. This is nerve wracking because you are such a passionate fan of this movie. Yeah. Now I'm I'll not, tell you I'm this: I'm not going to be offended if you don't like it. By the way, I'll tell okay. you this. I'll never talk okay. to you again. But between <laughs> you and me, between you and me, yeah. I didn't mind it. Okay. All right? It was a good movie. Yeah. Certainly not the greatest movie I've ever seen. Okay. And many more that we've you've already introduced me to, I would yeah. rewatch many and many a time. Yep. But I can see myself watching that again. I can see myself watching it with the kids. Um, I enjoyed the story. You know, you said, and this is, you said to me last week, I just want you to take in the story. I just want you to understand it yeah. for the story that it is as much as the movie that it is, words to that effect. Um, so that's what I tried to do. I tried not to cause just normally, go on the ride. It's a go on yeah, the ride. Normally, it, yeah. I'm not a fan of sci-fi style things, right? Yep. So instead of looking at a big creature on a desert, you know, um, set, thinking that looks so bad, um, yeah. because it was the 70s, yeah, and it's not the graphics of today, yeah, I didn't care about that. I tried. I just switched off all of my care about those things, and I actually noticed more things that I was actually so impressed by, and we'll get to those. But I yeah. love the story. Uh, I. I, I, yeah, I'm fascinated now more by the things you tell me that we're about to learn, but yeah. things we've, we've talked about over the years, 
Um, so, yes, I reluctantly say... <laughs> so you can't have listened to all those times over the years. Yeah. You would lower a lot more. No, I, I'm so glad... So what's your tweet? Actually, How would you tweet this then? <sighs> My tweet here is, um, I don't think anyone else hasn't seen Star Wars, but it's time for a rewatch. And this time, enjoy the story. Not the not the visuals. Well, because I think yeah. the st- uh, my point there is the story is actually the thing that makes this a great movie. It's um before I talk to you about how why my experience watching and why I'm a fan. I've actually tried, I've put into words why I'm a fan. Right, you got to remember that over the years, what you watched and what oh, I oh, watched, we'll get to that, have changed quite a bit. And I so I, I have I've, I've still that. got the original versions on DVD, the original theatrical 1977. You put that next to the because the, the, in 1997, in 1997 for the 20th anniversary, mm. they released the special editions of Star Wars, and George Lucas, who is notorious for not leaving them alone, he's always tinkering with them. 97, his special editions were all about okay, the technology has now matched my imagination. Let's do this, and there's swathes of the movie that are different. Yeah, that he's added effects. Taking things away, change things. It's it's a vastly different movie. Still the same heart and soul of the movie, but the because the story never changes. No, the right? story's the same, but but the 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 edges and the the frills have changed. Where the earlier, where say there's a, an effect that he wasn't happy with, he went in and put CGI and and changed it again, and was notoriously for saying to telling fans. Look, there's a version of him on VHS if you want to go back and watch it, if you want to watch the original. So he was sort of, he felt that it was his his child that he was bringing up and improving over the that's years. A you good know? Exa- that's a yeah. good explanation for yeah. it, actually. But, mate, I will never forget the day I first saw it. I was nine years old. And, and it, at the time, it didn't come out in May in Australia. It was later in Australia. That was when we never get the releases at the same time. Mm. We'd heard about the buzz from the U.S., but back then, going to the movies, I was obviously nine. I couldn't go by myself, so I'd, I'd be pestering my mother every day. I said, can we go watch it today? And it was, a, it was a day. You had to go to the cinema, hope it wasn't sold out, and the only cinemas were in the city. You couldn't just go to your local cinemaplex like you can today. And for weeks, it was sold out, so you'd have to see something else. Weeks and weeks and weeks. And I remember my late brother Joe got to see it. He got in, and I'll never forget what he told me. He says, mate, you're going to love it. He said to me at the time. And I've been asked many times, why do I love Star Wars? It obviously reminds me of my childhood. It, it was the buzz of this, of the film I remember as a kid, was everyone was talking about it. All my mates, everyone was obsessed with this movie. Um, and it, 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 look, it's a classic good versus evil story. And it's told in a way that we had never seen before. No one, none of us had ever seen a movie done like this with the effects and the realism and all of that, that, that sort of lived in futuristic rather than gleaming, shiny future. This was a dirty, grimy, That's realistic future. Right. You know? I like, never thought about that. It, yeah. was, it wasn't like, the, like Star Trek where everything is gleamingly beautiful. This was a down and yeah, dirty. The Millennium Falcon used, is actually not a. It's a junk full of junk. spaceship. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what endeared itself to audiences as well, but it also gave me the, when I first saw it, it gave me the impression that we're looking in on a world that's been around for thousands of years. We've just come in at this point. There's all this history that that we've got to learn about. I'm thinking I want to know more about Darth Vader. Why is he in a suit? How come Obi Wan Kenobi's all over there by himself? Why did they build the Death Star? There's all this stuff. 
that it was like the the tip of an iceberg that they, that suddenly we're in this universe that was just so ripe to explore, and that's what happened over the years. We saw Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, all these other novels, and this whole universe that was created. So that that was my initial fascination. I'm thinking, wow, this is we've stepped into this universe that's just incredible. Uh, let's talk about the casting call. Of course, Mark Hamill plays Luke Skywalker. You've, I'm sure you you've heard of him. Yep. So he was in, obviously, the Star Wars trilogy, the sequel trilogy. So he's in Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. He was also the voice of the Joker, you know, in the animated Batman series. Okay. He was uh, the Joker. Did a lot of TV as well over the years. Harrison Ford, you know, of course, plays Han Solo. He was in American Graffiti. Yeah. He got the part in Star Wars. He's a carpenter. Got the part in Star Wars because George Lucas said, um, "Harrison, can you help me? I want to re. I want you to read opposite some actors who are auditioning for the role of Han Solo." He said, "No problem." He was reading opposite them. At the end of it, he says, "I can't find my Han Solo." He goes, "Why don't you do it?" He goes, "Okay." That's how he got the role. <laughs> he was initially just helping George Lucas with the casting, and George said, "Look, just you do it." And it turned out, look at the career he's had, Indiana Jones. Um, but, but knowing Witness. that he's a carpenter, it matches yeah. because. Han Solo is pretty much a, a knockabout, yeah. in a get-it-done kind That's of guy. Right. Yeah, right. Carrie Fisher plays Princess Leia, and she is, of course, the daughter of Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, two quite uh, big stars at the time. She did the Star Wars trilogy and the sequels. She was also in When Harry Met Sally as well. Mm-hmm. Sadly, she died in December 2016 at the age of 60, yep. Carrie Fisher. Yeah, sad, sad about that. Alec Guinness played Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's passed away as well. Uh, he was in. He won a Best Actor Oscar for Bridge on the River Kwai. Was also in another famous movie called The Lavender Hill Mob. But the first line of his obituary was Star Wars actor Alec Guinness, and that was became his signature role. Yeah, now, right. In his book, right, he wrote a biography. He wrote. They got one of the letters he wrote to, um, I think, to his sister, and here's what it said: "I've been offered a movie by 20th Century Fox, which I may accept if they come up with the proper money." It's going to be filmed in London and North Africa. It's London in the studios, North Africa, Tunisia, which is Tatooine. Starting in mid-March, science fiction, which gives me pause, but it's also directed by Paul Lucas, got his name wrong, who did American Graffiti, which makes me feel like I should. Big part, fairy tale rubbish, but could be interesting, perhaps. <laughs> so, that's his... <laughs> He's basically yeah. written how I describe Star Wars. So, yeah. So, he said... Oh, fairy tale rubbish. New rubbish dialogue reaches me every other day on wadges of pink paper. None of it makes my character clear or even bearable. I just think, thankfully, of the lovely bread. Mate, I've just changed my tweet. Watch Star Wars. It's... Fa- what is it? Fantasy rubbish. Fantasy science fiction rubbish. Fairy, fairy tale rubbish. Yeah. But get this, he agreed at the time to receive a 2% share of the box office. Oh, so it wasn't so just the initial upfront fight. He actually did made pretty well. squillions. No one in his family's work That's ever right. again. <laughs> Peter Mayhew plays Chewbacca. Now, you know, the ah. big tall film. Yeah, <laughs> it's not bad. He worked as an orderly in a Yorkshire hospital. He got the role... Right, they were look as you know, filming in in London. Remember, they filmed at the um the I forget the Leavesden Studios. Yep, and they were looking for someone who was really tall to play the Wookiee. Right. Yep. Gary Kurtz, the producer, said, "George, I think I got someone for you." Uh, and all he had to do when he when he he stood up to meet George Lucas, he said, "You're in. You're in. You got the part. <laughs> You're tall enough. You're in." That's all he had to do to audition is stand up wow. in front of George Lucas. Well, 
we're about to jump into hyperspace before and to do our run through. But <laughs> Mate, before I'm exhausted that, already. <laughs> before we do that, we should do this as a two parter. Maybe, maybe that's a good idea. How about we do a trilogy? <laughs> Before we talk about the run through there, let's talk about our other great sponsor, and that is Hisense. If you want to watch a film like Star Wars, you need a big screen. 75 inch, go 85 inch. Hisense has the TV for you. Not only the great picture quality, but also good sound quality as well. Picture wise, you've got QLED technology, so you've got 4K and 8K resolution if you want to go extra. But it does have this great contrast, really nice color. But on the sound side, you've also got Dolby Atmos. And Star Wars is a movie that not only looks good, it sounds good too. So you're going to really enjoy this great virtual surround sound with Dolby Atmos as well. The VDAR-U operating system also helps you get around the TV quite easily to navigate the menu system and also to get to your content quite quickly as well. And you know what? For added peace of mind, Hisense offers a three-year warranty. That's right. They back their product with a three-year warranty, one of the only TV brands to do that. So if you are looking for your next big screen TV, consider a Hisense. Go to Hisense.com.au. Hard not to know what that is. I have to ask, straight off the bat. Yes. That's assume, John Williams. John Williams. I assume in the theatre it didn't say episode four. In the theatre. No, it didn't. Release. Good pickup. But before it's the we, first thing yeah, I saw and I Before we do that, you're getting ahead of yourself. Before we do that, now the other thing I wanted to tell you too. Two ways to watch this movie. Okay. Okay, two ways. Way number one is knowing what happens. Right. So knowing like when they made episode three and episode five and all these other prequels and TV shows, you can watch it knowing that, oh, hang on, Luke Skywalker's next to Darth Vader. That, that's his dad. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Spoiler alert. Okay, we know. But <laughs> I don't even you know. know. I know I you know, know what I mean? So yeah. there are ways to watch this. Like when he meets Princess Leia. Yes, on, I understand. Who, you know who she is. What's your point? So the, the, there's, the, there's the two ways to watch it. You can watch it just as it is, appreciate it for what it is, yes. but also taking into account those other things that you know. And, it, and it, honestly, when, I, when the prequels and all these other shows came out, it changed the way I watched the movie. Right. It changed it when knowing these other things. Well. Famous long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and you're right, the opening crawl... George Lucas copied the Flash Gordon. That's how Flash Gordon used to start. Right. Initially, he wrote six paragraphs with four sentences in each paragraph. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I've seen like a read, longer one. But it's like reading a book. So I was initially, say I've seen a longer one. Yeah, it right. contained a lot of history, tried to pack in all this information. Oh. His mate, Brian De Palma, said, mate, you're mad. That crawl is ridiculous. It looks like it was written on a driveway. It was just so much text in there. So Brian De Palma actually helped him edit the text to the shortened version that you see today. So is there a version out there that no, is longer? No, that was this was pre pre release. Right. And you're right, it did not include episode four. It didn't even include a new hope. It just said it just had the crawl starting with no episode number or anything. And I should have said this earlier, but that's actually a problem with the franchise, the saga, is that I had to sit there and go because uh, they didn't say one, two, three, four, five, six on them. Yeah. They were just called, you know, Force This. A new and, hope. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, which one is it? Yeah. So I ended up just looking at the year it was made, going, oh, that's the earliest yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. Well, what had happened 
he didn't include A New Hope and Episode 4 until 1981 after he released Empire Strikes Back. Because Empire Strikes Back came out as Episode 5. So it said that then. It said that on it. And when it was re-released in cinemas, so he on. made whoa, it whoa, Episode whoa, 4. Whoa, whoa. He's one and a half years into his, in, into his lifelong future. Having taken the first third of a saga, yep. right? To, to, More to than that, he's four years later. He made it episode four. You get my point. Yeah, but and and he's he's making the second third of a saga that he yep. created, yep. and he's already foreshadowing that there's other there's others before. Well, the reason it was episode four, he said, because this isn't the start of the story. We're coming in at an episode at that that point. Right. So that was his sort of nod to okay. say, like. There's more stuff that's happened. Right. So he's not really foreshadowing prequels. He's just he's just stating he's saying we're we're coming in halfway kind of thing. And so that wasn't until 1981 when they added that when they was re-released in theaters after Empire Strikes Back caused a hell of a lot of confusion. Fox were all over the place. They said, look, it's uh, he he wanted to say he had Episode Five for Empire and then he re-released Star Wars Episode Four, A New Hope, and that's how it's been known ever since. Now we read in the in that crawl that it was a period of civil, civil war, war yeah. and that the rebels stole the plans to the Death Star. That little storyline is yeah. Rogue One. So you want to go back and see another Star Wars film? Rogue One is about how they stole those plans. Right. Okay. So that's that one line in the crawl became a film. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that was released about five years ago. Now that first shot of that iconic shot of that Star Destroyer coming over the top. That is sort of just jaws dropped when that oh. was they're thinking, wow, we've never seen this before from yep. the opening frame. Yep. And we saw we see that it's chasing this this smaller ship, the Tanty Four, which is uh Princess Leia's ship. It's captured. I'm just gonna stop you there. I until this moment still didn't really truly understand which was which ship. Yeah. Okay. You've got this big big star destroyer. That's the Empire. Yeah, I know. But yeah. you, I'm telling you right now, yeah. I I didn't know they were the bad guys. Yeah. But it's not. Well, that, I'm that's saying good. that's good. You're, so learned. You're learning. Yeah. It, it wasn't obvious to me. Okay. Because they because what happens is you know it's captured in the ship and then there's all this commotion in one ship. Yes. But I couldn't work out whether they were in the big ship or the little ship. Whether yeah, all that was, stuff was happening. And yeah, so okay, it I was fascinating to me to go. So I'm just assuming that the big one is the is the baddies, yeah. and the little one was captured. Well, the little one was where the soldiers were waiting near the door with their guns. Yes, and but you don't C-3PO. see them. You don't yeah. see you don't see which one they're in. Yes, but I think early on we we you um, C-3PO goes, oh yeah, this is madness. They, they've shot down the main reactor. We'll be destroyed for sure. So you're thinking, well, they're the ones under attack. When he says that, and then they're getting ready again. I'll just throw this yeah. at you. The little ship could have been coming in to attack them. In the same way, well, no, well, in the same way that it was running away, it was but being in the chased same away. Way that Millennium Falcon goes into the Death Star. Yeah, the little anyway. Yeah, the little ship was being chased. You can see that that was in the foreground. It was there was like an You're explosion coming at it from having yeah. watched it. Explosion a lot. on board, and then it was sort of sucked up with the tractor beam up on the bottom, and then you, the next thing you see is the. Um, remember, they're all standing in the door. Then the big sparks fly where yep. they're cutting the door out. Then the stormtroopers charge in and start firing everywhere. Yep. Um, so there's a firefight. Then there's a, a moment where you see the stormtroopers sort of stand back out of respect, and then this big hooded, this big mask. He makes an figure. early appearance, doesn't yeah. he? And he, you see, you think, okay, this bloke's obviously the bad guy here. We, you, you, you see that, which is also a fascinating thing because the baddies are all dressed in white, black and white, except yeah. for you know this big overpowering. So you know he's the baddie, yes. and you don't even know whose name at that point. No, and, but until uh, a bit later. Next thing you see is Leia with R2-G2 and she's sort of placing something inside him mm. thinking, what are you doing? And the C-3PO kind of interrupts and she's just, oh, oh, you know, where are you going? We, we, what are you doing? Cut to Darth Vader 
with the choking the captain out, saying, "Look, where where are those plans that we that we sent you?" And he says, "This is a consulship. There's uh, he goes, if this is a consulship, where's the ambassador?" As he's saying that, he's squeezing his neck and breaking his neck. Did you hear that? Yeah. The sound of that, that when he crushes the neck, the actual sound you hear. Uh, walnut shells cr- being crushed. That's how they got the sound effect there. And then he says, look, tear the ship apart till we find the plans. Then you see uh, Princess Leia kind of in the in the shadows, but then the stormtrooper stuns her. It's the only time in the Star Wars movies that a, 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 a blast has been used to stun someone, not kill but someone. But interestingly, it's, it's yeah. foreshadowed because he says, you know, I want them alive. Yes. And then the guy says, set to stun. Yep. And then and then she's, oh, she'll be all right. Tell Lord Vader, Lord Vader, we have a prisoner. Yeah. Uh, C-3PO and R2. Well, R2-D2 sort of walking off and C-3PO says, where are you going? Because, you, you know, this is restricted. You're not allowed in there. They're, they're heading to the escape pod. And he's talking about some secret mission that he's got. And he says, what plans? What are you talking about? And then as he's saying that, there's a, a blast, a, a, a blow, an explosion above his head. And he goes, oh, God, I'm going to regret this. And they get in the escape pod and boom, off they go. But then they immediately cut to the bridge. They go, like, don't shoot. There's no life, for boards, yeah. life forms aboard. <clears throat> it's a malfunction. So they were, luckily, they weren't blown up. Then Leia is brought in to, uh, to meet Darth Vader. And she's the one who uh, identifies him by name and tells him that it's a diplomatic mission. Darth Vader, if only you could be so bold. The Imperial Senate will not sit still for this. When they hear you've attacked a diplomatic... Don't act so surprised, Your Highness. You weren't on any mercy mission this time. Several transmissions were beamed to the ship by rebel spies. I want to know what happened to the plans they sent you. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away. Great sounding voice, hey. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones was the voice. David Prowse was the actor in the body in in the suit. I've got his autograph picture up in the top corner there. And did you tell me once that he actually said the lines? So he that they said could the have lines the on set in a real thick York. You can hear on YouTube his thick Yorkshire accent, right. which he thought he never knew until he watched the movie dubbed. that they were going to dub his voice. So he was filthy with George Lucas saying, "Oh, look, my voice not good enough for you." George Lucas always said he wanted some some a voice with a deeper timber to it. You know, it's like a real authoritative sound. And James Earl Jones' voice is fantastic for Darth Vader. Imagine not knowing that. Yeah, well, he he did not know that, but. That's what they did on set was him speaking the lines through the suit, yep. and then they over the top they dubbed it out. Wow! Uh, they find out that there was a, a an escape pod jettison during the fighting, and he goes, "Oh, they must have hidden the plans in the pod. Get down there and retrieve them." Next thing we see, we're on Tatooine, and C three PO and R two D two in this desert planet. Now that desert planet was actually filmed in Tunisia, which is in North Africa. Uh, so why haven't you was, been there? Mate, I tried to go, because it's close to Malta. Malta's right above it in, in the Mediterranean. I remember one time I was in Malta in, I forget when it was, and I planned to fly over there just to spend a day there, but the return flight was four days later. I couldn't fly back straight away. So I, uh, I, I mate, it's my mission to still get there. I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about what they did there, but... The droids are, you know, R2-D2 is still talking about this mission. He goes, what are you talking about? I've had enough of you. You go that way. I'm going this way. Yep. See you later. They literally you'll, walk you'll be malfunctioning in a day. Go away. <clears throat> and they, they, like you said, they walk in opposite directions. And eventually, though, uh, after a while, C-3PO has been walking through the desert. He sees on the horizon like this flashing light. And he goes, oh, transport. He thinks he's been saved. And next thing we do, we cut to R2-D2, who's walking through this valley that was actually filmed in Death Valley, where R2-D2 was. 
that part where he's captured by the Jawas is the same in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Remember, they're carrying the Ark through to to that to the 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 um, to the uh, when they were going to open it in the, in this ceremony. That's the same valley that they use for Indiana Jones uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I look forward to recognizing it when I see yeah, that. Well, movie. that's coming up soon. We're doing Raiders pretty soon. Um, anyway, they Archie is captured. They take him back to their transport. Now, a little fun fact here: on the first day of filming in the desert in Tunisia, it experienced its first major rainstorm in fifty <laughs> years. How's that for luck? George Lucas turns up to make a movie, rains for the first time in half a century. That that's uh, well, he said it was good luck at the time. Good yeah. on him. We're inside the transport. Lots of droids. R two D two wakes up and he sees C three PO. They're there together. Yep. Um, at this point, I, I didn't know whether they were kind of captive or just... Oh, they you know, were captured. So the Jawas are like scavengers. So sure. they've, they've got a couple... Of, why you'd look in the desert for droids, I don't know. They were kind of lucky they found two there. But anyway, um, next thing we see is the stormtroopers. And this was an added scene too. There was bits of this little bit here that was added for the special edition. They had extra creatures and dro- and stormtroopers to just to say, oh, look, droids. The droids must have walked out of this pod. So that's what we're looking for. Next thing we see, they've arrived, the Jawas have arrived at the Lars homestead. So Owen Lars, which is Luke Skywalker's uncle, they've arrived. We see Luke for the first time, and his aunt Baru yells out, look, if you get a translator, be sure it speaks bocce. And Owen Lars meets C-3PO. What I really need is a droid who understands the binary language of moisture evaporators. Evaporators? Sir, my first job was programming binary load lifters. Very similar to your evaporators in most respects. Can you speak bocce? Of course I can, sir. It's like a second language to me. I'm a All right, shut up. I'll take this one. Shut up, sir. (laughs) Luke! Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. You can waste time with your friends when your chores are done. Now, come on, get to it. So he was a whiny teenager. Yeah. Luke Skywalker, right? <clears throat> just wants to now, spend time with his mates. The just so you know, Owen Lars is a moisture farmer. Very arid country that they live in—a desert country, desert planet. And he, his farm is his harvest is water. So he's a moisture farmer. Remember how he says, "I want, I want what you to understand." Completely boring. Thing. Yeah, well, that's it's a valuable asset on a yeah, desert fair planet, enough right? Too. So he was saying, "Yes, I needed." That's why he said to C three PO, "I need you to understand the binary language of moisture evaporators." So that's how why he said, "Okay, I'll take you." Uh, he initially picks another R two unit. Did you notice yeah, that which, the red which one fails on and its way? Blows to, up, yeah. yeah, and then uh, they get R two D two instead. So uh, now, don't you forget this. Why I should stick my neck out for you is quite beyond my capacity. Because C-3PO recommended, oh, that blue yeah, one yeah, will do blue it. One. So I like this next bit where um, where C-3PO is taking a, an oil bath. The oil bath, yeah. It's like, it's interesting, uh, but yeah. I guess it would be required. Just not sure how the electronics inside would work, but <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, it's a bath of oil, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but we, we we sort of learn that Luke is kind of not happy. He sort of, he said, oh, I think he says, I'm not sure where we are. He goes, well, if there's the bright centre of the universe, we're at the point where it's farthest from. So he's kind of a, not not real happy. He also notices, too, that he's cleaning up R2-D2. He notices a lot of carbon scoring, which I, I assume would be from blasters and fire and, and right. battles, right? Um, and uh, when C-3PO mentions the the rebellion, he goes, you know about the rebellion of the Empire? He goes, oh, you're not, look, I'm not a real good storyteller, but that's how we sort of came to be in your service if you get our meaning. And as he's cleaning the droid, he finds this f- message fragment 
of Princess Leia. Remember how he says, yeah. help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, you're just my only hope. Little, little projection. Yeah, so it's like it's this little grab, and uh, he say, look, he's, he says he's the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Play back the message, no. He, he, remember, he takes off the um, restraining bolt, and, it's, and the message just goes, play back the message. <laughs> and then C-3P goes, what do you mean? And he, he smashes the top, he goes, the one you've been that's in your rusty innards. Like, there's the whole sort of the comedic sort of b- yeah. the banter between the two <clears throat> droids was initially established there, but... Uh, we find out that uh, he is the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he says, I wonder if that's old Ben Kenobi, which is the series we're about to watch on Disney+. Plus." No, we're not. Yeah, well, you're, that I'm going to watch on Disney+. Plus. I reckon after this you might want to watch it. Anyway, it's dinner time at the Lars household here, and she Luke walks in and says, look, I think R2 might be stolen. He says he's the property of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I wonder if he means old Ben. And the guy says, look, that wizard's a crazy old man. Forget him. He goes, I wonder if he knew my father. He says, look, forget it. But straight up, yeah. you get from this Lars bloke, he knows way more than he's giving up. Don't you reckon? Like straight up. I think he's, so. He's, he's trying to move Luke away from all this conversation. Especially when he says this. And if these new droids do work out, I want to transmit my application to the Academy this year. You mean the next semester before the harvest? Sure, there's more than enough droids. Harvest is when I need you the most. Only one season more. This year we'll make enough on the harvest that I'll be able to hire some more hands and then you can go to the academy next year. You must understand I need you here, Luke. But it's a whole nother year. Look, it's only one more season. Yeah, that's what she said when Biggs and Tank left. Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. I have to go finish cleaning those droids. Oh, and he can't stay here forever. Most of his friends have gone. It means so much to him. I'll make it up to him next year. I promise. <laughs> Luke's just not a farmer, Owen. He has too much of his father in him. That's what I'm afraid of. And so we established that his father's dead. Yep. That he's living with his aunt and uncle. Yep. um, And that his aunt is clearly a lovely, lovely girl. But uh, his his too much like his father. Worried about how how much he's like his father. Yes. So that that planted a seed. That that so that planted a bit of a seed for me. I get it now. Yeah. Because you think, well, okay, doesn't you immediately think, well, who the hell's his father? So that's kind of a no. Yeah. No, well, I did. Because you're thinking, well, okay, who's his dad? Well, I've got to know. We're going to need to more yeah. find out. And, and he does find out a little bit more mm. from Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. sort of. This next shot, though, is probably one of the greatest pieces of movie making because it yeah. tells such a story. The dual sunset. Two suns. Yeah. It's like, wow, wow, wow. That's whoa, a whoa. famous and it's an iconic shot of Star Wars. <clears throat> and Tunisia, it will, Tatooine, being yeah. a very hot planet, two suns, of course, it's going to be hot. The Luke Skywalker Owen Lars's homestead and that dining room where they were, yeah. that's actually a hotel. <laughs> the, it's, it's a it's a two star hotel called the City Driss in Tunisia. That you oh, can actually that's, that's built, where you're staying. That's built underground. How much are they charging now for oh, that? I don't know. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Many of the structures built in the desert, so there. the homestead, they're still there. It's degrading because they're so dry. They're not going to rot because of the dry weather. They're just going to. They're just sitting there. Even even the the last homestead, Moss Eisley, the spaceport, all that's still there in the middle of the desert. They return nearby when they made the prequels and the sequels, but it's all still just sitting there and waiting for me to visit. Definitely. <laughs> so next thing we see, Luke goes back to the garage and he finds, he goes, what are you hiding back there? Luke C-3PO is hiding. And he said, oh, R2-D2 is gone. He's babbling about his mission. He goes, oh, no, how can I have been so stupid? And they went out to have a look. And he goes, oh, there's, there's nowhere. He's nowhere in sight. And they said, look, we can't go out now because of the sand people. They're worried about that at night time. We're going to have to wait till morning. And next morning, 
uncle calls out to Luke, and he he doesn't answer, of course. He said, oh, look, uh, he goes in to see uh, Baru, and she says, oh, no, he said he had some chores. He left early. So the next thing we see is in his sand. He's a speeder. You like his speeder? Pretty cool little little bit of kit. Yeah, and going it's, after R2. This is one of my favourite bits of um, movie making again because um, it's done so well. It's yeah. shot so well. It yeah. looks, you know, it looks, looks like it's hovering flying. above the ground. It yeah. looks like it's hovering there. Yeah, you mate, know, at the time, people were thinking, <laughs> "How do they do that?" There's a Incredible. scene coming up where it's parked, and you can kind of see that it's sitting on rocks. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's otherwise, true. yeah. But uh, they're going after R two D two. They catch up with him. Yeah. And then uh, I think R2 says, oh, there's some creatures approaching from yeah, the he, southeast. He can, it's like he can detect Yeah, it, he's oh, thinking, yeah. hang on, this so he goes, oh, let's take a look. And C-3PO goes, oh, he's a bit worried. But he goes, come on. And he gets his binoculars out. Did you know, like this bit? Yeah. And he's looking, he, he goes, oh, there's a banter there. That's a, they're their creature. And, then, oh, yeah, there's two sand people. And then right in the front of his view, a sand, a sand person stands up right in front of him, yeah. right there, and attacks him. And uh, he gets knocked out. But did you notice the, that part, right, where... The creature, the sand, the, the Tuscan Raider knocked him out and had his banter stick above his head. Did you notice? If you take a close look at the him with the stick above his head, that's actually the same bit of footage rocked back and forth a couple of times. <laughs> so it goes backward and forward, backward and forward, just to make it a bit longer, that shot. Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the Raider, the actor's name was Peter Diamond, and he, when he waves it above his head, uh, that up and down motion was created from a shot of him thrusting his weapon up once, run backwards and forwards several times. <laughs> yeah, I always noticed that. They ransacked the speeder, but did you like this when there was this robed figure and he, there was this really loud noise that he made? Yeah. And you you you, you realise later that he's a Jedi and can do these sorts of things. Makes this really loud noise and scares the raiders away. Uh, but he also notices C three PO. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Oh, don't worry, he'll be all right. It's actually, he noticed R2-D2. C-3PO had actually had his arm ripped off. And he was, uh, he was, uh, <laughs> then, then he, he, tell, he tells, uh, he sees Luke on the ground. And he says, oh, rest easy, son. You've had a busy day. Uh, and then he introduces himself. Tell me, young Luke. What brings you out this far? Oh, this little droid. I think he's searching for his former master, but I've never seen such devotion in a droid before. Uh, he claims to be the property of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is he a relative of yours? Do you know who he's talking about? Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Long time. I think my uncle knows him. He said he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not yet. Well, you know him. Well, of course I know him. He's me. It's a great bit of writing. Yeah, it's a great bit of writing because of the way he says, you know, he's me. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, he could just say that. Yeah, he could just say that. But yeah. he dra- it's dragged out. That's a, that's two why things. I like it. But two things. Tell me, young Luke. He knew his name. Yeah. So he didn't introduce himself. He knew tell he knew that was Luke Skywalker. So that immediately you're thinking, did you pick on that? Pick no. up on that? No. Uh, he also uh, says he goes, well, I thought he was dead. He goes, no, he's not dead. Well, not yet. So it's kind of like he's sort of obviously we're all going to die one day. But the way he Again, says it is like mate, I'm going to die soon. Reading way too much into well, everything because he's just an old man. <laughs> 
That's but the it, kind of thing old people say. When he says, "What? Well, tell me young Luke, he knew his name. Yeah. So that to me, even in the early watches, I'm thinking, how do, you, how do you know his name? How do you know that his name's Luke? You never picked that up, did you? No, mate. Anyway, they're at Obi-Wan's place now. And he tells him about his dad. He says, oh, yes, my, he says, my father was a navigator on a spice freight. He goes, that's what your uncle told yeah. me. He goes, your, your father was he a Jedi He basically learns here that, you know, everything this he's is been told is not true. A lot of exposition. We find out a lot about what happened. He goes, look, I was once a Jedi Knight. This is Obi-Wan telling Luke that I was a Jedi Knight the same as your dad. And he says, look, I, I wish I'd known him. And then he says, that reminds me, I've got something here for you for, for, that your father would want to have when you're old enough. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. Sir, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, go ahead. What is it? Your father's lightsaber. This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon for a more civilised age. The lightsaber sound effect. You ever wonder how that was created? Not at all, but tell me. It was a combination of the, the hum, right? It was the, the, uh, Ben Burt, the sound engineer, he, fil- uh, he recorded a 35mm movie projector and combined that with the feedback generated by passing a stripped microphone cable in front of a television. So that hum was from doing that. So he combined them uh, to do that. Now, the hilt of that lightsaber was actually the handle of a Graflex 3 camera flash tube. So remember the old cameras used to have a big tall tube with the, the flash on top and the camera part in the middle? That was the flash tube that they just took off and fashioned into the lightsaber. Yeah, over here. Stephen's got everything oh, yeah. lightsaber, yeah. It, well, that, that's a, the Graflex um, tube. Darth Vader's is made in a similar way from a flash gun, and the windshield wipers were made for the grips. So, you know, the, the black rubber grips you see on his over here, there's rubber grips on it. That's actually a windscreen wiper they've cut and just and, and put on the bottom of it. They were the original. The original, so I think the original screen used lightsaber that was in Star Wars, I think sold at auction for like $300,000 or something, somewhere US dollars. It's in here somewhere then, is it? No, it's not, I wish. <laughs> so we learned that the, we, we get a bit of a history lesson about the, about the Jedis. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. So you're following so far? We'd, well, we'd... it's a lot of deception there from old old Ben. But at the time, you're thinking, okay, so you, you remember that Darth Vader was the bloke on the ship that took Princess Leia prisoner and wanted to find the plans. So immediately in the scenes following, you're thinking, okay, that evil bad guy killed young Luke's dad. Yes, I don't understand okay. that, but 
he, yeah. he could have also just completely ruined a large part of the next story <laughs> by just telling him the he's, truth. He's your dad, yeah. He's your dad. But we don't find that out at all. That's why I tell people whenever they want to watch Star Wars for the first time, I always tell people to watch them in the order they were made. Yeah. All five, six, so you, one, two, so three. You get, yeah, so seven, you get eight, the flow. Yep. So all those massive reveals you are not spoiled. If you yes. watch episode one, two, three, then watch these ones, you think, oh, I knew that already. Yeah. So you see how I mean it changes the way you watch it? Yes. And so, yeah, order they were made if you're coming into this new, and I can't believe it if you haven't seen it before. <laughs> Uh, so we also find out as well, he finds out about the Force for the first time. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? And the Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. So did you... I can remember sort of at the time the force, the Jedi's were sort of, it had like a religious overtone. It sort of was like they were like almost a religious order. And if you can recall too, there were stories when Australia, when we did our census, there were a lot of people writing Jedi as their religion. Did you (laughs) remember read those stories? I didn't, but I was tempted tempted to though. But they finally get to Princess Leia's message. That's why they were there. General Kenobi, years ago you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Now, this scene is a really good example of how the editing helped the whole movie. The editor of the movie was Marsha Lucas, George Lucas's wife. Wow. Champion. She won an Oscar for her editing of this movie, right? And this is famously, her editing made it a better movie. No wonder he keeps redoing it. He's married to her. Well, no, not anymore. They've split up not long after this. But at the time, the initial cut of the movie... Well, no wonder no... he keeps changing it. He's trying to destroy well, her no, original no, cut. I don't think so. I don't think... <laughs> she made it so much better. Well, the, like she, uh, I've read many books about this, where how she changed the order of the scenes. Like you know, you don't see Luke Skywalker till like twenty minutes into the movie. Yeah, she wanted to keep all the Darth Vader, all that stuff at the start on its own, that rather than intercutting to Luke and back to that, back to that. It just reduced the tension. So she wanted to keep that all on its own. Yep. This scene in particular was actually done the other way. So now, do you remember in the message she talks about the Clone Wars and all this stuff? You remember two minutes earlier, Luke asked Obi-Wan, he goes, you fought in, did you fight in the Clone Wars? And she mentions it. So they decided to play the message last to give this scene a bit more impetus. So so that he's asking all the questions. Imagine asking those questions after that message, Mm. that sense of urgency is gone. So that's just an example of how they've changed it around. Uh, and he says to Luke after that message, he goes, well, you've got to learn the ways of the Force and come with me to Alderaan. He goes, well, yeah, right, as if I could do that. I'm in, I'm in trouble as it is. And then like, he, he gets the spiel, like, you, know, you must do what you feel is right, of course. Cut back to the Death Star, and they've got their little round table going on, their little board meeting. Yes. And they're talking about how the, you know, the, the, if they don't get the plans back, that we're vulnerable. 
Um, Grand Moff Tarkin walks in. That's the Peter Cushing character. He comes back in and says, the Senate has been swept away. The old Any remnants of the old Republic, the Emperor has dissolved the Council. So it's all up to the individual governors to control their territories. And fear of this battle station will keep everyone in line, basically what they're saying. Now... The one of the guys has a crack at uh, as at, at Darth Vader here and says, "Look, you know, your your devotion to." He says, "Look, the the power of this Death Star is nothing compared to the power of the Force. It's insignificant." He says, "Your devotion to that sad religion hasn't got, helped you get the the plans back." So you know, he, he um, Darth Vader responds in a rather remarkable way. Don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader. Your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes, or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels' hidden fort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you wish. It's the, first, choke, it's the first true representation of the Force. Yes. Where he's not anywhere near him, but he's choking him. And he's just got his little fingers. Because we've already uh, seen his power. You've seen him choke someone with his bare yeah, hands. physical power. Yeah. But now he's using just the Force. The Force. Emit, and, uh, emit that, a, an air choke. That guy is not going to be talking back to Darth Vader no. anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, cut back to a the Obi-Wan and Luke find the Jawa transport destroyed. And By the way, the transport is one of my favourite... Yeah, big vehicle aids. Big vehicle. Like, yeah. In shooting it, was it life size or did they they shale it down the bottom of it? You know where the treads are. The treads. They yep. filmed it up that to was, about that, that was life size. Yeah. Built. The right. rest of it was a model. Yeah. The rest of it was a miniature. Right. But the close ups, all you saw was the treads. It's, yeah. it's it was the, well well done. It's yeah. The best Mate, effect. If you, I'm sure you won't want to do this, but there are a lot of really good behind the scenes making of specials about Star Wars. I reckon your kids I would act- like it. I actually would like would, those because yeah, I, they are I love awesome. That. I'll right. I'll, uh, I'll link you to a couple that you'll really like. Okay. They found though that the Jawas have been attacked. These are the same Jawas that sold us R2 and 3PO. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. But why would Imperial troops want to slaughter Jawas? If they trace the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. Oh, wait, Luke! It's too dangerous! So Luke gets in yeah, the speeder. That's a, that's a pretty pretty tough thing to watch there, yeah. that he's just realised that his aunt and uncle are in severe in danger. Yeah, and he was right. He gets back and finds the, the homestead is smoking and... Sees the burnt corpses of his auntie and uncle. That's uh, that's hard to take. Gets back to Ben, and I think Ben Kenobi. He's got the force right, so he he kind of knew that they were, they, were, they were brown. What did you say, brown, brown bread. bread? They were yeah. Uh, and and he says, look, there's nothing you could have done. So basically, coming after R two D two to see me saved your life, basically. Yeah. So it's kind of luck. That was yeah. luck for him there. Um, and he says, look. If Some you had could gone say back, it was the Force. Yeah, well, he says, if you were there, the droids would be in the hands of the Empire, you'd be killed yourself. So Luke says, look, you know what? That's me out. I want to come to Alderaan with you and learn the ways of the Force and yeah. become a Jedi like my father. So, boom, the mission statement stated already. Done. Now, here's another bit I really like when they're on their way to Moss Eisley. And this is what I like. They stopped to enjoy the view. Moss Eisley Spaceport. 
you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. <laughs> It's so a I, good line. I liked how they yeah, they, were, they thought, let's go to this cliff top and look down on the city we're about to go to. And yeah. then he, that, that great line of the scum and villainy is a famous <laughs> line out of Star Wars. So anyway, they enter Moss Eisley Spaceport. This, again, is another special edition add-on. Before was them just entering with the physical effect of the, the, the speeder. Mm-hmm. But instead... There's this old, whole new animated sequence that's done of them and a much bigger, broader view of Moss Eisley. So yeah. it's like an aerial shot of Moss Eisley. Yes. The original one had none of that. Oh, so really? So special edition where they added, they embellished all edition. of that. But then they go to, uh, they find there's a bit of a, a blockade or there's like a roadblock and the stormtroopers are interrogating people. How long have you had these droids? About three or four seasons. They're up for sale if you want them. Let me see your identification. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Nice Jedi mind trick. Another another great example of the Jedi... Yeah, force. Yeah, and that's also a famous line. These aren't the droids you're looking for. That was back in when that. (laughs) Uh, the, the reason yes. I watched this before these are the droids you're looking for. Droids you're looking yes, for. Yes, but in this instance, these are not the droids yes. we're looking for. So, yes, I'm so happy you're up with the lingo now, mate. Next scene is like one of George Lucas's goals for this movie. His his ideal scene to sort of flex his muscle as a storyteller, mm. uh, to sort of his imagination runs wild. It's this cantina sequence where you see for the first time in one place all these amazing creatures. And this in this this pretty rough rough bar, where they think, well, here's where we can find a space pilot to get us to Alderaan. It, it's a like it's pretty rough job. This is where you yeah. go. Wow, I mean, this is where this was when you said Oscar for costumes. I went, oh, there it is. Yeah. This scene. Oh yeah, is the Oscar winning scene. It is. It, it, oh, probably for makeup as well. Did Do you, you know like I mean? how because he gets hassled? Like, wow. He gets hassled at the bar. Yeah. And the bloke goes, oh, he he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. And then he pu- he, he pulls him down and then Obi-Wan Kenobi flashes his uh, lightsaber, boom, off goes his arm. See you later, buddy. Says, mate, you want to mess with me? Boom. No <laughs> arm left. Uh, but then we meet uh, Chewbacca. He, uh, he says that yeah, Chewbacca here is the first mate of a ship that might suit us. And then we meet for the first time our Han good man, Solo. Han Solo, <clears throat> uh, who is the first mate of the Millennium Falcon. And he loves talking up his ship. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. I've outrun Imperial starships, not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Carillion ships now. She's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Only passengers. Myself, the boy, two droids, and no questions asked. What is it, some kind of local trouble? Let's just say we'd like to avoid any imperial entanglements. She's fast enough for your old man. I'll yep. use that line. Han Solo does a good bit of negotiating here. He's up. He's looking for ten grand, and the old man's like, "Yeah, mate, I'll give you a two no, now." Luke, Luke goes, "What? Ten thousand? We can buy our own ship for ten thousand? <laughs> he goes, "Who's going to fly it, kid? You?" He goes, "Yeah, I bet. I bet I can." He was. He was offended. He was going to. He was going to walk away. Uh, we then uh, Obi Wan decides. Look, how about two thousand now? Which is what they get for selling Luke's speeder. I reckon they've got to sell your speeder, and we'll give you fifteen when we get to Alderaan. Seventeen k, pretty good. 
Uh, so he says, righto, oh, that, that's pretty good for me. They were off. And Han says to Chewy, did you know this bit? He goes, oh, this is really going to save my skin. So you think, hang on, there's something doing here. He must owe some money. But then yeah. the, the, right away we see Han and Greedo. Now, this is the bit we've talked about before on our other shows. It where is. This is a famous scene where Han Solo sitting across from Greedo and there's this drama over the, over the money. Um, and I guess this happens. Even I get boarded sometimes. Do you think I had a choice? Over my dead body. Yes, I bet you have. Now that little sequence there, right? Initial version of Star Wars had, and you can see under the table, Han is loosening his, his blaster. And he's sort of like, he's got his arm up on the wall, his other arm just to distract him from his other arm. And he shot him under the table. Greedo did not fire at all. Han shot him dead. In the one we're watching now? No, or in the, the original. original one. Yep. Now, <clears throat> at the time, George Lucas says the, the, the reason for he changed it for he put another shot in Greedo shooting almost at the same time or virtually the same time. That's why the whole hand shot first movement exists because hand did shoot first. But he decided to change that because he thought it, it made Han Solo more like a cold-blooded cold killer yeah. rather than the rogue that we love, that we know. So I think that was... Uh, Mate, honestly, <laughs> I watched this it scene was with massive... interest because, because you've told me about this controversy. Yes. It I was watched massive. with interest and went... It doesn't really matter what happened. But, mate, it gets worse, though, because what he did for the special edition, he digitally moves Han Solo's head sideways slightly, and it looks ridiculous. And even at the very end there, he says Greedo's added line was McClunky, which was not, wasn't even existed in the other previous versions. It, it just totally ruined a, what I thought was a great scene. And for, for that fact that... He was he was worried. So what you're saying is you're part of the hand shot first movement. Of course, yeah. Okay. Leave it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, like, leave it. Do you just want to tell George Lucas that about well, all the edits he made? Leave it alone. Fair enough. Uh, so I think uh, if the he's changed it so many times. He's added frame. He changed it for the Blu-ray release, the DVD release, the special edition. He's been tinkering with it the whole time. But leave it alone. There was nothing wrong with it. Sorry. Well, really irrelevant to this moment, but yep. does George, because it's owned by Disney, does he still have no, any ability no, to? to he can't change anything else. They will not so change once the frame. Once it was signed over to Disney, that's it. The movie is finished. That, that would have been part of it that you can't change what I've made. That would have been part of the deal. He got four billion dollars for selling Lucasfilm to Disney. Mm. That would have been part of the small fine print that you can't go in and change my original my work. Yeah, and no, they haven't. They've just left it as the special. So that's the if you buy. What you watched on wherever you watched it on Fetch, Fetch, you also bought. If you buy it, the version you'll see is the latest changed version. Right. Got to come version, here to the tech guy. The DVDs too. I've got are valuable because that's the only digital version of the original. I've got them on VHS too, but the original version you watch and you think it's like another movie you're watching. The heart of it's the same, but there's all the frills are gone. That's what I liked about it. Is it, it didn't. It didn't I have to want watch it to now, be. So I really it, do. It, there was no. I think the the fact that it was this sort of lived in universe that was, and the way that it was made, it was ahead of its time, even without the special editions. Okay. Well, I yeah. will. I will take it on notice. So for a purist like myself, watching the special editions, it's still great. But you're thinking, you know, 
you're thinking, well, I wish that was like, you know, why didn't Lily that alone? Dude, why, why change that? And and it goes through not only Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back is changes. Return of the Jedi changes, which we'll get to eventually. But for now, <laughs> it's Star Wars. Jeez. Back to the Death Star and it will, Princess Leia's a prisoner, don't forget. And uh, she's uh, comes, remember he they have the mind probe that's yep. trying to get the information out of her? Um, and Darth Vader says, you know what? Her resistance to the mind probe is incredible. Why don't we do something? Why don't we set the course of the Death Star to her home planet of Alderaan? See how she likes them apples. And they, they decide to change course. Now, back on Tatooine, they're looking door-to-door to find the droids. Luke has sold his speeder. And do you remember the docking bay number they had to get 94. to? 94. Docking bay 94. I didn't mind the way it was kind of engraved into the yeah. into the rock. It's like you find your gate. You know, you go to the airport, you yeah. find your gate. Yeah. Docking bay 94. Spot on. Yeah. Boarding 20 minutes before takeoff. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen will be there two minutes. Now, here's the other add-on scene that I cringe whenever I watch it. So the Jabba, I've said Janna right now, I think Jabba confronts Solo. So when, he's, when he walks back to the Falcon, this scene was filmed in 1977. Jabba the Hutt at the time was a fat Scottish bloke. Wasn't a big creature that we see in Return of the Jedi. So George Lucas, in all his wisdom, decided for the special edition, he's going to resurrect this scene. He's going to digitally insert so, Jabba the Hutt. What you're telling me is that in your original... In the original, this scene didn't exist. Oh, didn't exist? No. He's resurrected this scene for the special edition. The initial actor was a guy in a, in a you know, this short, fat bloke, was Jabba the Hutt. Because Return of the Jedi is the first time we actually see Jabba the Hutt. So I'm just trying to think what happens in this scene. He really just kind of negotiates to. Yeah, he says, "Oh, yeah, why did you have to kill Greedo? Why did you kill Greedo?" Uh, And he goes, "Look, don't worry. I've got a charter. I'm going to give you something a bit extra. I'm going to pay you back. Don't worry." Now, did you notice when he walks walks behind him, him. right in the initial scene, he just walked around him, right? In this scene, so as they filmed it, he just walked around him because he's a he's a person. In this, in the digital scene, the add-on scene. Jabba being this big creature, they filmed, they changed it so it's like he walked over his tail and he it went. It did look awkward. I'll, it looked I'll... ridiculous. And at the end of it, did you notice what he said? He goes, "Oh, okay, I'm only going to give you a fifteen percent. Don't push it." And he goes, "Okay, I agree to fifteen percent." Did you hear what he said at the very end of that scene? Huh? Jabba, you're a good human being. Yeah, I, I did hear that. Yes, that's because he was a human that. being in the initial version. Luke, George Lucas said, well, "Let's leave that in. Nice touch," but. It looked like a cartoon, parts of it. Don't you reckon? It was. I cringe best. when I watch that scene. I cringe. When I, I forward watch that scene. through that scene. Really? I don't need it. I cringe. Yeah, and Boba Fett was at it. Did you notice Boba Fett was in that scene? No, I did not. He was at the end of it. He was. I did brought, notice. I, I, I was going to say in. to you. Yeah. I, I knew it was in this area. Yes. It was, at that time, I did notice someone with that style helmet. Yeah. Boba Fett. Yeah, it was uh, Boba Fett. But there are others with that Boba Fett's style a, helmet, though. Boba Fett, no, in the in the original trilogy, it's Boba Fett. He's the he's a bounty hunter, and he works. For I understand, Jabba but like yeah. a stormtrooper has a particular helmet. Are there other people that no. you know just dress like that? Stormtroopers no. were there, but Jabba. Well, uh, no, I it was stormtrooper. It was Boba Fett. I did yeah. see Boba. That Fett was added as well in the special edition. But that scene was initially shot and was on the cutting room floor for the initial version, resurrected for the special edition with this ridiculous edition of the Jabba as he appeared in Return of the Jedi. Which was, you know, all over. I'm confusing you now, but it just bottom line. So when was Boba Fett? Added? Boba Fett was part of Return of the uh, Empire Strikes Back in 1980. So he was episode in, five. Okay, right. Yeah, he's, episode he's five. in one of the. He's one in of five the and Return of the Jedi. Okay, yeah. so he he then put him there. Okay, that's right. So 
what George Lucas did when he made the original trilogy, which was awesome, then he went back and made the prequel trilogy, so episode one, two, and three. What he did from the one, two, and three, he came up with stuff in one, two, and three. He goes, okay, I'm going to change the others to match voices it. voices and things he yes. changes, isn't there? Boba Fett, in the prequels, Boba Fett, Jango Fett, which is Boba Fett's father, is played by Tamara Morrison, a Kiwi bloke. Yeah. Right? So Korg. Jango Fett had a Kiwi accent. So George says, well, Boba Fett's got to have a Kiwi accent too. He changed it all in the other movies. So the initial trilogy, he changes everything to suit the prequels. You think the originals would be set in stone? I mean, that I agree with. You know what I mean? So he's, he can just can't keep his hands off them. Yeah, but that I agree with. Cause well, but it ruined the init. Like in Empire Strikes Back, right? We're going ahead of ourselves. Classic line when he brings Harrison for, um, Han Solo to Darth Vader. Han, Han, Darth Vader's torturing him, and he says to him, "He's no good to me, dead." You're torturing him. When he changes it, he's, it that line becomes, "He's no good to me, dead." Kiwi accent. It's not the same. The initial Boba Fett was not like that, mate. I just oh, mate. I could. That's oh, a whole other. For that's a whole other podcast. Here. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, they're tracked to Docking Bay 94. They, they've uh, they've arrived. And uh, do you like what Luke says when he sees the ship? What a what piece, a piece of, junk. of junk. Um He says, look, I might not look like much kid, but she's got it where it counts, but get on board. But then the stormtroopers try to stop them. But did you like this shot where they, they start firing? Goes, should we get us out of here? Then they they just they blast out of uh, Mos Eisley. They're yeah. out of there, baby. Then they get into orbit and they find though that there are some Imperial ships that are there, and uh, they've got to do some pretty funky maneuvering. Stay sharp. There's two more coming in. They're going to try and cut us off. Why don't you outrun them? I thought you said this thing was fast. Watch your mouth, kid. You're going to find yourself floating home. We'll be safe enough once we make the jump to hyperspace. I know a few maneuvers, we'll lose them. Here's where the fun begins. How long before you can make the jump to light speed? Take a few moments to get the coordinates from the Navi computer. Are you kidding? They're right there gaining? Traveling through hyperspace ain't like dust and crops, boy. Without precise calculations, we'd fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova and then it ended your trip real quick, wouldn't you? So they end up making the jump to light speed. Uh, next thing we see, the Death, Death Star's approaching Alderaan. Princess Leia's brought in. Because they're basically trying to... They can't get it through they, the they mind want, yeah, powers. They wanted to her to reveal the rebel base. And they says, look, you know, where you've helped us make our choice. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base? Down to it. On Dantooine. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. What? You're far too trusty. Dantooine is too remote to make an effective demonstration, but don't worry. We will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. So they're, they're still going to destroy Alderaan, despite her saying Just Dantooine. Blows it into a, into a smith. Yeah, so boom. Dantooine is different to Tatooine. Dantooine is a totally different I was different so spot. confused yeah, by that. Dantooine. Um, and now, oh, okay, this, yeah, I can imagine that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, what, what did she say it wrong? But yeah. this bit, this my favourite bit when it explodes is when they cut to the Millennium Falcon and Obi-Wan, you know, he, he felt it. Are you all right? What's wrong? I felt a great disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. 
So yeah, he's he's felt this effect. But Luke at the time at was the time using he's the, practicing, practicing, and he says, "Look, put on the blast helmet." He goes, "Look, just he's not like doing reach a out with your feelings." Yeah, he says, "Reach out." He's trying to teach him. Do you think at that? Do you think at that point because Han Solo is watching as well? Do you think Han Solo? Because he doesn't believe he's, it a, all. he's he a real that. cynic, yeah. But do you think when he actually does hit it using the using a blindfold, do you think he's like, hang on a minute? Yes, that was luck. He goes, I call it luck, and he goes, oh, where I come from, there's no such thing as luck. Mm. And then Han Solo saying, look, I've been one end of the galaxy to the other. There's nothing that I've seen that shows me there's this all mighty force control. Yeah, right, okay. So uh, next thing we see there, uh, Dantooine. She she she's look, Dantooine. She did lie to us. There's nothing on Dantooine. Back on the Millennium Falcon, uh, they come out of hyperspace. And because Alderaan's been blown up, they've come out, it appears to be like in a mid, there's no Alderaan. Like massive like meteor, meteor shower. shower. Yeah, so yeah. he goes, what do you mean there's no there's no Dantooine, there's no Alderaan? He goes, yeah, I'm telling you, kid, it's been blown away. But the uh, they do notice that there's other another Imperial fighter next to them. A fighter that size couldn't get this deep into space on its own. He must have gotten lost, been part of a convoy or something. Well, he ain't going to be around long enough to tell anybody about us. <laughs> Look at him, he's heading for that small moon. I think I can get him before he gets there. <laughs> he's almost in range. That's no moon. It's a space station. It's too big to be a space station. I have a very bad feeling about this. Turn the ship around. Yeah, I think you're right. Full reverse. Chewy lock in the auxiliary power. So they're caught in the tractor beam. So they're dragged towards the Death Star. And into it. And that, that him saying, I have a bad feeling about this, that line is said in every Star Wars movie. A couple of times in every Star Wars movie. Uh, but they, they arrive, they, they decide, uh, they, they land on the Death Star, and they send a scanning crew aboard, and they've actually hidden, you know how... Yeah, so you think they're, they're coming aboard, they're going to yeah. get captured, but it turns out that they've they've smuggled themselves in, essentially. That's right. And they, are, they go undetected. Um, and they, they find out, Darth Vader finds out that they've captured the freighter that blasted out of Mos Eisley, and Darth Vader says, well, they must be trying to return the plans to the princess. But then when he's down there, did you hear him say, oh, I've, I sense something, a presence yes. I've not felt since, and then he trails off and walks away? I... That's where I first went, okay, this is the Darth Vader thing coming in. This yeah, is, well, he's sensing, obviously, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Um, so they've smuggled themselves in. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi says, look, the, the tractor beam, I'll look after that. And uh, so like they do, the em- the Empire puts a, sends a scanning crew aboard. Uh, Luke and Han, they they kill them, I'm Club assuming, them, right? Yeah. They, or whatever you they do. You can hear it. Yeah. They I don't know how the others out. didn't hear it in the, in, the, yeah. uh, in the bay there. And then they're suddenly wearing the uniforms and the bloke says, TK421, why aren't you at your post? And he sort of comes out and looks up at the thing. He goes, okay, we've got some troubles. So Luke and, and Han, disguised as stormtroopers with the droids, arrive at the this little com- this locked this locked office compartment thing looking over the hangar. Um, R2's located the tractor beam and he says, look, you know what? Uh, Obi says, "Look, I'll take care of that. Yep. You, your destiny lies along a different path to mine." And probably says one of the most famous lines in the Star Wars franchise: "The Force will be with you, always." He never says, "May the Force." I was going to say that he, he says someone else says that, but not him in this movie. Oh, really? So they decide to when, remember when he leaves. He goes, "Where did you dig up that old fossil?" <laughs> and uh, there, the idea is to they're here to rescue Princess Leia. Hans says, what do you mean? I'm not going to march into the detention centre. And then Luke says, hey, she's, she's rich. rich. 
How about some cash? He, goes, he knows that he's, he's good for money. That's right. And so he goes, oh, I've got an idea. And then they, they put the binders on Chew in. They go, right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sort of get into the detention centre somehow. Um, when they're heading up to the detention level, did you like how they're wearing the Stormtrooper helmets, remember? And um, he says, I can't see a thing in this helmet. That was actually him. He did, that was not. That was just. That was not part of the. He script. couldn't actually see in the helmet, and, <laughs> and he said, "Oh, that's, we'll keep that in." That's brilliant. Yeah. Then we see Obi Wan making his way to the tractor beam, but we get to the detention level. They arrive with Chewie, who they think they say is a prisoner. Transfer. Did you like where the transfer was from? Eleven thirty-eight, which was THX eleven thirty-eight, the name of his other movie. Jeez. Uh, they then they they blast the guards and the cameras. They find out what cell number. Princess Leia is two one eight seven. What's that? That's a significant number in Star Wars. That's also used a couple of times, also in the sequels, where in Episode Seven, Force Awakens, Finn FN two one eight seven is his stormtrooper number. It's also used in a couple others. Two one eight seven is actually a famous art film that George Lucas was a massive fan of, a black and white art God. film. Two one eight seven. That's why I incorporated. You watched it, and uh, I haven't. No, but that's a famous uh, number in Star Wars. But I love the line when they blast everyone in the in that in the area, and Han Solo decides, well, yeah, what do we what do we do here? Uh, how are we going to handle this situation? Uh, uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, it's like weapons malfunction. But uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> now, Harrison Ford deliberately didn't learn his lines in that little scene, so it would sound a bit, more, a bit more, a bit more spontaneous. Urgent, yes. Yeah, so uh, they end up, uh, he tells him what cell the princess is in, and this is another famous line as well in Star Wars. Too short for a stormtrooper? Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You're who? I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Come on. So we're, it's, uh, we're off to the races. But funny thing is, the next scene we see Darth Vader says to Grand Moff Tarkin, he is here. The last time I felt it was around my master. Obi-Wan is here. The Force is with him. If you're right, he must not be allowed to escape. Escape is not his plan. I must face him alone. So they're back to the detention block. They can't get out. And they're thinking, well, what, what plan is this? So you've got a plan to get in but not to get out? And yeah. she, she, she <laughs> tell her, I love the line, goes, he's the brain, sweetheart, not me. So she grabs the gun, blasts a hole, and they go down into a garbage compactor. Yeah. So that helps them get out of there. And um, I, I like how he says, oh, look, you know, it could be worse. And then the walls start coming in. <laughs> he goes, it's worse. Now... When did you see when Mark Hamill or Luke Skywalker gets grabbed by that creature and taken underwater? Yes. Yeah. What happened there? Mark Hamill held his breath for that long during that scene. Because it was, yeah, yeah. It was pretty intense. He broke a blood vessel in his face. So you'll notice that other shots that were after that, he was shot from one side only. He wasn't shot front on, he was only shot side on because he broke the blood vessel because he was down underwater for so long. Yeah, yeah. The walls start closing in. I love the line. The hand solo says, uh, we're all going to be, one thing, we're all going to be a lot thinner. Um, and again, uh, I've got a bad feeling about this. Makes a start. Now, the did you like this part where they're in, the, the droids are in that locked, you know, with the, the, the door that shuts them in that little yes. compartment, right? And C-3PO says, This is the cunningness of a yeah, droid. he says, look, you- 
They're, they're, they're attacking. If you hurry, you're going to catch them. Early indications of artificial intelligence, really. Because AI, a, boom. A robot couldn't possibly be programmed to have that kind of intelligence, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. So George Lucas essentially created artificial AI. intelligence. There you go. Because how else right. would C-3PO know what? to make up a story like that? What a pioneer. So Luke's calling C-3PO. Because it's the classic diversion, the... isn't it? No, they went that yeah, way. Yeah, they went that way. You know? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah, that's right. So Luke's calling C-3PO to tell them all to, to shut down the garbage mashes. And when he says, oh, shut them all down. And when he hears them cheering, he thinks, oh, no, they're dying. He thinks yes. they're, they're dying. Um, but we see Obi-Wan has switched off the tractor beam now. right? So that's going to help them escape later. Um, hands, hands, they've all come out of the garbage compactor. And do you like this bit when he goes, where Chewie's, him and he goes, oh, come here, you furry oaf. And he shoots something into, into the compactor. And Prince Leia goes, listen, I don't know who you are or what you're doing. From now on, you follow, you do what I say. And Hans goes, what? So there's a bit, already a bit of friction between them there. Uh, Han, Luke and Leia, they, their bid now is to get back to the yeah. ship. Yeah. They run into the stormtroopers. And I like this bit where he's sort of screaming, sort of chasing a couple away, turns a corner and there's a whole squadron of stormtroopers there. Um, Luke and Leia, they sort of get cut off. They are uh, they're on this little they're on this little uh, bridge that sort of he he, sh- he shoots the switch and the bridge has gone out. Have you seen the MythBusters episode on this? No, there is a MythBusters to episode, shoot the door. No, on can you swing across on a little on a, on a small thing uh, carrying no, another person? It didn't work, did it? I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was well, busted. According to uh, the the stunt doubles were not used for the scene. Wow. They, it was Luke and Leia, so Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill performed that stunt. They shot it in one take. So they what must is, have had a stronger... It was a pretty flimsy bit of rope he had, eh? Yeah. Space rope, maybe. Uh, anyway, Han and Chewie are battling the stormtroopers, but finally Vader faces Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he's waiting there, lightsaber activated, so ready to do battle. I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. I like to hear he says, oh, your power's a weak old man. So I have a Wait, um, uh, period unrelated but Star Wars question. Uh, lightsabers, the colours are relevant, right? Colours are determined by the kyber crystal that forms that, that forms the power of the lightsaber, right? So red is associated with the Jedi. Blue is associated... Sorry, red is associated with the Sith. Blue is associated with the Jedi. Blue and green. Red is basically Sith colours. So red's are baddies. Red's baddies. Blue and green. Blue, uh, green, green, purple, yellow, they're good. Okay, so yeah. pretty much we red's see blue, always going to be... Yeah, we only see blue in this episode, but Luke Skywalker in... Um, in Revenge, uh, Return of the Jedi, has a green one. Okay. Yeah, but it's the Kyber crystal that uh, that creates Stop the power. Stop making things up, man. Yeah, it's not that, a real that's thing. it. I've, I've got. I'll show. It's them. not a real I'll thing. I'll show you. How they works. don't work, mate. <laughs> so anyway, um, they're all <laughs> Han and Chewie. They're all they're all back together again. So Han yep. and Chewie, Luke and Leia, back reunited. Vader's still taking on Obi Wan Kenobi, and I think the stormtroopers move across to sort of see. If they can help, yes. and the, they think, "Oh, here's our chance to get back to the ship." So C-3PO, R2D2 are running back. So does Luke and Leia. Now, do you remember early when he says, "Look, if you strike me down, I'm going to be more powerful than you can possibly imagine." Who says that? Obi Wan to Darth Obi-Wan, Vader. Yep. Now, th- again, this is watching it. This is watching it, knowing things, right? In this instance, right? Ben sees Luke, but he doesn't only see Luke; he sees Leia. 
Now, you've got to remember, he knows who they are. He sees them reunited for the very first time in 19 years. He sees, and he goes, right, oh, job, massive, massive job done. That's going on here. Well, job done. And then he puts his lightsaber up and lets Darth Vader kill him. He knows he's, he's done it. Now, during production, George Lucas realized that, you know what, this character has got nothing to do after this. He's got to die here. He told Alec Guinness, says, look, you know what? I think for the benef- for the, the benefit of your character and the development of the movie, you need to die here. And they he rewrote it to so that he was killed. What, what, he would, realized, what would have been the other outcome? Well, that- he, he just goes back to the rebel base with them. But what does he do there? He's got nothing to do. So he becomes a, a like a like a force ghost, they call it. So he's he's struck down, but is still in Luke's he Luke can hear him later in the movie, remember, right? So the the he becomes he becomes one with the force after this. So remember he says that's what he meant by you strike me down, I'm gonna be more powerful than you can imagine. He becomes part of the force. Yeah. But that's that's the reason though when he sees Luke and Leia reunited for the first time in nineteen years. So just so you know, I'm I I still until you said that, I'm thinking because they're twins. I'm not sure he died. He did. Like dead. I, well, dead. This is what I'm. I'm yeah. looking at it, going. Okay. I saw this, and I saw the the empty the robe. Empty yeah. robe. I'm thinking the lightsaber just dropped. Maybe there. he, some part of the force, allowed him to just go to disappear and, and, and okay. run away, naked, well, obviously, but still yeah. run away. You know <laughs> what I mean? So yeah. that's what I left with. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I look. I knew he killed him yeah. in the in the battle sense, yep. but my feeling was, oh, this old bloke's going to come back to life in the next movie. He's out. Yeah, okay. he disappears. Spoiler alert. So, yep. um, he, um, so right. now, and you hear him saying to Luke, remember Luke saying, remember he yells out, no, when he sees him killed and he starts shooting at them. And then you hear Ben saying, run, Luke, run. So he's thinking, okay, he's still around. Okay. That comes back during the battle at the end. So the, the tractor beam's down. TIE fighter chase next. So the, the, the TIE fighters, they're escaping. Yep. Now, long story short, they they blast all the tie fighters and Leia says, "Oh, how he goes? How he goes? The the, the 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 only thing that could explain they're tracking us. That that's the only thing that could explain the ease of our escape." He goes, "What you call that easy?" And it's true because because yeah, yeah. he says Darth Vader and Grand Moff Tarkin says, "Look, you know the homing beacon is on their ship, yes. so that's how they track where the rebel base is." Oh, of course. Right? So now they're on the Falcon. They're they're going back to rebel base. They arrive at Yavin Four, which is the secret rebel base. They get the plans of the Death Star from R2-D2. They plug him in. The Death Star, meanwhile, is following them. So they now they know where they're going. The Death Star's approaching. And they're in the briefing. They've said, well, we've found a weakness. And the the defence is designed around a, like a... It's such a big space station. It's designed the, the, around a large-scale assault. It was built assault. as if all these massive other spaceships would yeah. come and attack it, not have given any thought to the fact... Which also comes up kind of earlier when that... Smaller little fighter plane thing was in space, and they're like the Death Star, strange. yeah, yeah, no, the, no, no. the Tie that, Fighter, yeah, that, yeah, that's strange. That's here. How could it have got here? Well, it's going back to the space station. It was going back to the space station. Correct. So you realise that this is this is a yeah. base for small. That's, that's a that's another famous line that goes. That's no moon. That's a space station. Yeah, yeah, and and, and so that the, was the, the whole thing the was Death built. Star. To, not to worry about some little yeah, fighter right. coming after, because you would never come across a little fighter of in the not. depths of space. Correct, and and so that's why they thought, you know, what a small fighter can get through its defenses. Now, the way to do it, there's a really small exhaust port. You got to go through a trench, precise hit, and uh, one one of the other guys in the briefing says, "Oh, that's impossible." That's impossible, even for a computer. But it's not impossible. I used to bullseye womp rats in my T16 back home. They're not much bigger than teenagers. Then man your ships. And may the force be with you. 
Ah. That's the first person to say, now but I have to be with you. I have to pause here and divert slightly away from this movie and not spoil another important movie for people. But <laughs> at this point, with this yeah. whole, you've got to go through this valley and then get that thing there. Yep, the trench, yep. All I'm thinking is, is Tom Cruise a fan of Star Wars? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, Are you I not see with your me? point. I exactly know what you're talking about, yeah. So go movie, see, go see Top Gun Maverick, uh, and, and released see, at the time of recording, and see whether or not you think Tom Cruise and the people behind <laughs> Top Gun Maverick are Star Wars fans. Maybe, maybe Mate, some low level flying. Because basically, this is this is what I'm watching now. You know what? I, I thought of it at the time. I'm very happy that you've associated the two. Very good. Uh, so now the Death Star's in orbit around the planet, and they're thinking, you know, it's only a matter of time. Like Darth Vader says, this is going to be a day long remembered. Seeing the end of Kenobi, it's also going to see the end of the Rebellion. So what happens? The uh, flight crews are getting ready. Han Solo, though, is not taking any part of it. He goes, mate, I'm going up against that suicide. I'm not going there. <laughs> he goes, I'm just taking my money. I've got debts to pay off. And, and, and he says to me, he goes, why don't you come with me? Oh, you could, you, you, you're good in a fight. I could use you guys. But take a look around, mate. Can't you see what's happening here? We're the rebellion. Yeah. You've got to get involved. And so he said, look. It's a very um, World War Two style, you know, attitude, yeah. isn't it? It's that yeah. whole yes. arm up. You know, we always talk about how, you know, what the heck would happen if yeah. there was, you know, a conflict today? Would we really stand up and do it? But well, it, it's that kind of rebellion, isn't it? It's we've got, we've yeah. all got to fight here. So you've got to remember that Han Solo's been set up as this guy who owes money. He's a smuggler. He's got debts to pay. He's a loose unit. And doesn't he doesn't have a known address, basically. Exactly. He says, well, what's good of a reward if you aren't around to use it? Yeah. And you know, so he gets upset. He walks off and he says to Luke, do you remember when he's walking? He goes, hey, Luke, may the force be with you. Yeah, whatever. He walks off and uh, sees, sees um, Leia and goes, oh, you know, his path is along a different path to you. Don't worry about him. But he sees Biggs, which is his mate from Tatooine. Again, a cut scene that was this little bit here was reintroduced for the special editions. Now, do you remember early, early on in the movie when he says he wanted to take his uh, apply to the Academy this year? And he goes, oh, can't you wait another year? He goes, it's only a year. He goes, that's what you said when Biggs and Tank left. This is the Biggs he was talking about. Oh, his mate, wow. his mate from Tatooine. Who is making those there were, connections? There were cut. There were cut scenes that I've seen. All these deleted scenes where Biggs is talking to him about, you know, one day or how he's in the academy talking to him and at, at Toshi Station. Remember, he wanted to go to meet his friends. So that's that were deleted oh, scenes that you can right. now see on on YouTube and stuff, and they're on the special editions of the right. on the, in the extras. But yeah. this is Biggs, and he says to me, "See, I told you I'd make it one day." I don't know, and this may be completely wrong, but there's an actor, one of the guys in one of these little fighters yeah. here in X Wing, yeah, um, that I recognised. Yeah. But like you don't, because he's in the helmet, you don't really see him. Is he? Yeah. The, is there a dude with, like? He's a, I've seen him in other movies. Is he yeah. like the dude out of Ferris Bueller's or something? Like, you know the guy no, with the long face? There's a guy who was in Raiders of the Lost Ark that was in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I know, there's, you, you there's definitely a couple of... There's, there's a few there's of a those, guy there those that I just guys. recognise. Yeah, well, I wouldn't recognise him from Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark, there was a guy who was in the... in the He was in the gold, the Y-Wings. He was in a different unit. But um, they, they think they're off to, on their way to battle. And Luke, hears Ben saying, the Force will be with you. And they're yeah. reporting in. And do you remember, did you get uh, Luke's call sign? No. Uh, no. Red 5. Red 5. Actually, Luke. it was annoying because as it was happening, I'm like, oh, which one was he? Because I thought I need, yeah. to, I need to know. Red 5. So we're in, the, we're in the battle now. So the basics of the battle is, right, we've got to hold off. We've got to create a, a, the opportunity to hold off any other fighters, give them a run to hit the exhaust port. 
Now, the initial plan was for the, the Y-Wings, the gold leaders, gold one, two, three, right? Mm. They had the first crack, failed. So Vader says, okay, well, there's a detachment. We're going to have to kill them ship to ship. And that's when Vader takes off and all the other TIE fighters turn up. Yes. So there's the dogfighting happening above the Death Star. Dogfighting, see? Another reference. So that's right. <laughs> so what happens, they miss out the first time. Luke sets up his attack run. He goes, right, I'm going in. We're going in full throttles. Just keep the fighters off my back. But he's got a tail on him. But meanwhile, the Death Star is getting closer to orbiting the planet to get to the Rebel base. And again, this is the bit that was added by Marsha Lucas. That whole final battle, the Death Star and that countdown added zero. That wasn't there. So it didn't add that urgency. See how oh, so she the added rebel in base the countdown yeah. so that and that was added p- after because the difference is sure we okay because like if Luke misses he can just come around yeah. and go again right if he misses they're gonna blow up their planet so by adding in the countdown you've got that urgency adds that uh. tension and, and I think he goes oh we'll be we'll ten minutes with to in with the fire age one minute and he goes oh the Death Star has cleared the mean, planet so she edited that in. Does that mean yes. they shot that originally? That was later. No, the, all was, that was, all that involved was the actors standing around a console, oh, of course, yeah, and yeah. a top-down view of the of the Death Star that, getting it's, closer. That's it's amazing to me that the editor of a movie, yeah. I know how important that is, but the editor is able to say, "Listen, we need to shoot some extra bits here, basically, to Correct. make this more interesting, to add to the tension." Because wow. this way, if Luke wasn't, if there was no ticking clock, there's no tension. That's kind of a classic storytelling thing. The ticking clock creates the tension. That yeah. was the ticking clock in this case. Wow. But uh, we see Luke, and he's about to make his attack run. And uh, we... Because we, remember, he says they've got to use their targeting computer. Yeah. So this is when he hears Obi's voice. Use the force, Luke. Let go. So, remember when he said the force is strong with this one? That's him detecting... Talking about Luke, he's detecting his force powers, right? That was mm. early on. So that was in the first movie, you know that he... Okay, he's pretty strong with the force, this guy. Yeah, he's also just adopted, essentially, the force of Obi-Wan, yeah, well, right? because he's, com- he's obviously communicating with, o- with he, Obi-Wan. Yeah, Obi-Wan's now. been yeah. killed, and he's now adopted... He's the, communicating the force through the force. Powers. He's through the force. He's yeah. hearing him, so... Uh, <laughs> Archie gets hit too in a, in a in a shot. Yeah, and uh, you know he's he's getting ready, but the the Death Star has cleared the planet. We're thinking they're gone here. Have you not? What? Yeah! Look out! You know, every time I watch this movie, I forget that the Millennium Falcon's going to come in. <laughs> that was really? that was Han so Solo. The suspense gets yeah, you going, yeah, you're thinking, "Wow, well, come on!" And then, <clears throat> then he, he every time he comes in, I'm thinking, I kind of forget that he's going to do that. 
they re- that's a sign of a good movie, I reckon, the how he's done it. Because you think, we've left Han Solo, he's going to take his he's money, moved on, yeah. he's off, and then he suddenly makes his appearance. He's had a change of heart. He's the one who helps, because what he did, he shot the, the TIE fighter next to Darth Vader. The other one clips his ship, and Darth Vader spins off away, into so space. So not part of the big explosion. Right? So the, the, he's cleared to fire, they're fired, boom. It's blown. The Death Star's blown up. Now, I remember I told you that the TIE fighter spinning out of control, that was added late. Oh, really? So him spinning out of control says, well, Darth Vader's still alive. He doesn't die with the people on the Death Star. So he spins out of control. That was added later. Other members of the crew thought that that was, that was setting up a sequel, which at the time, sequels were... It was like it was looked. They looked down your nose. They looked down their nose at sequels. It's like a just a cash grab. Yeah. So George Lucas obviously wanted to set him keep that character safe in case there was a sequel. And we know what happened. Well, he knew there. he had one in him. Absolutely sure. right. So, and look, the next the next part here. Now here's another bit that they're back. In the, remember they get back to the rebel base. They start celebrating. Now there's an argument among fans when Luke sees Leia. If you listen carefully, they claim that he doesn't say Leia. He says Carrie, not Leia. That's a massive argument among fans. If you listen back at it, you can swear he says Carrie instead of Leia. That's just he, crazy. he calls her by the real name. Anyway, uh, 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 remember she says, oh, I knew there was more to you than money, you know, and so they're all celebrating. R2-D2, poor thing's in bad shape. And, but the, yeah. but uh, what I like about that is, because I was gutted that R2's people, yeah. right? But they, like, Luke, Addresses that it says that, and they're like, "No, no, he's, he'll be he'll be fine. We're going to look after him." Yeah. So immediately realise they've got the technology to fix, fix and help R two. Yeah. yeah, and I love too at the medal ceremony. Yeah, you know, they're marching down, and they get to the steps, and she puts the medals on Luke, puts one on Lahan. Chewie doesn't get a medal. Brushed. Big big controversy. Spoiler alert: In Rise of Skywalker, the very end where they're celebrating. One of the characters gives him Han Solo's Medal of Yavin, which I've got a copy of it up here. So he, Chewie does get the medal, Han Solo's old medal, at the very end of the of Episode Nine. But did you know? Massive too, spoiler alert! All the droids are all shiny. Remember, you see yeah. you see C three PO, but then the pans down. And you think, ah, oh, R two is he's there, he's fixed, and he's all shiny. Yeah. You go, oh, how nice is that? And then they all R two D two makes a couple of squeaks and noises, and they all have a laugh, and that was that's the end of the movie. And the credits, boom! You know, written and directed by George Lucas, and away we go. Now let's let's hear some let's hear some lines. What a roller coaster! Let's hear some lines. So did you? But did you feel that it it told a good story, start to finish? The story was great. Sort of took you around, and and I think the surprise with George. This is why I say early on with that when you told me about the taking it into, uh, into a third. To George Lucas's credit, taking a third of what he had planned yeah. and making a the great movie yep. that, that didn't could, need a sequel. Could stand alone, yes. but he thought, you know what, I've got room for a so, sequel. So uh, what I'm saying is imagine this didn't have the overwhelming fandom that it did, but it was just a good, well-released yeah. movie, blockbuster success, but not yeah. enough to be a sequel. Well, We'd yeah. be looking back on it still as a great movie. Absolutely, yeah, as a standalone, but yes. because it was the it was the most successful movie of all time at the time, Obviously, they thought, yes. hello, there's more. George says, hello, I've yes. got a lot more to tell, I hear and the rest is history. Let's hear some lines, though. Not wise, upset a Wookiee. But, sir, nobody worries about upsetting a droid. It's because a droid don't pull people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Wookiees are known to do that. Remember they're playing hollow chess? Yeah. 
And uh, I, I find that was a good line. The other good line was when they get uh, they they on the tractor beam. They get out of the smuggling units and hand uh, says, "Oh, someone's going to have to um, disable the tractor beam." And then Obi Wan Kenobi says, "I'll do that." He goes, "You damn fool! I knew you were going to say that." This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Damn fool! I knew that you were going to say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows it? <laughs> That's a good point. Here's another cracking line too. I, I was surprised how many funny lines there were. Did you like that? Did you, there was a lot of uh, nice scripts and lines. Yeah. The script was uh, very well written by George Lucas there. There's another line when uh, Leia is walking out of, uh, remember they got out of the garbage compactor? Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Chewbacca? That was funny. My nine-year-old self laughed laughed it up after that one. Absolutely. How did that happen, mate? you got some plot holes here. I've got, I've got some. That well, I'll, I'll give you the me. first one, which yeah. is the compactor. Yep. Jeez, those walls look like they were moving fast, but no, nah, there's the gap. Uh, yeah, there was a bit of a gap there. Yeah, I think. And I, I often thought, too, you know how they were firing at them in the detention block and they blasted into the garbage compactor? Why didn't the stormtroopers follow them down there and get them? in there. They just left him in the compact. They, they must have thought, well, the compact is going to kill him. Let's just leave him in there. I guess so, they, yeah. They didn't bother good, going after good him. Pro- good problem. Yeah, yeah. But here's my other problem. Remember when they steal the Stormtrooper outfits? Yeah. They fit them really well. Perfectly, right? yeah, really well. Um, but when they come out of the compactor, they get changed in their original gear. Yeah. Remember where, they're in the Stormtrooper gear? So, yeah, so where, did they have a little uh, a little, little bum bag or something with their clothes in it? Or where were they? Remember they got back in their original gear? Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when the Death Star people, they remember they came, there were the two blokes with the scanning crew. Yep. And then two Stormtroopers boarded the Falcon. And I'm assuming they were killed, right? They killed them. Where'd they put them? Where'd they put them, yeah. In the smuggling bay. Like, you heard them, the blasters are going Yeah, off. they definitely... Do you reckon they put them in the smuggler bay? Hey. Yeah. Well, there's no reference to that. there'd be some serious decomposition maybe, going yeah, on. Maybe, yeah, maybe when they took off, they did a bit of... Uh, I'm going to say the, the Falcon has a jettison shoot. You reckon? Yeah, they put them in the garbage. They've got their gun. own little garbage chute for yep, them. definitely. Um, when the Death Star is approaching Yavin, which is the rebel base, right? Yep. So Yavin is the moon on the other side of the planet that they orbited, all right? Right. Why didn't they just blow up that big planet? It would have blown up the moon as well. Why do they have to wait to go into orbit? Why don't they just go boom and shoot the big planet? That is a massive plot hole. You know what I mean? Like that, that, They've got the, the power to destroy a planet. Big planet next to the small moon. The small moon would have got hammered as well. Why don't they just go bang? Next time. Also, yeah. it's a spaceship that can clearly travel at hyper speed. Why yeah. don't they just speed up and get around there? Well, they went into orbit, I don't know, just to... Mate, create the ticking clock. Yes, okay? exactly. Are we thinking too much about this? Yes! Now, how about this one, right? After escaping, the, remember how they got the Princess Leia off the Death Star? Yep. The Falcon's flying back to the Rebel base. Okay. There's a little scene in the cockpit where Solo says, what's so important? What's he carrying? She says, the battle readouts, the, the plans to that Death Star, to that battle station. Now, don't you reckon that after all the dramas with um, him being all about money and being a bit of a, a smuggler that she, she just spill, she yeah, just yeah. spill about. Oh, hey, here I'll tell She's you everything. Putting a lot of trust in. <laughs> you know? yeah. So they don't really after the middle ceremony, he's a mercenary. Well, he's a mercenary. So yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what's doing there? Things you might not know. George Lucas was absolutely positive this was going to be a flop. And what he did, he booked a trip to Hawaii the same day as it premiered. He thought, "I'm, a, I'm out." Him and Steven Spielberg were in Hawaii when this opened. And with the news of it being a massive success, they had to call him in Hawaii to tell him. 
Wow. And in Hawaii, though, him and Steven Spielberg came up with the idea for Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? On that trip in 1977. Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca, and David Prowse, the actor inside Darth Vader, both big giant actors, were given the choice to play, do you want to play Chewbacca or do you want to play Darth Vader? Peter Mayhew, really kind-hearted guy, well, I want to play the Chewy, the good guy. David Prowse said, oh, no, I want to play the bad guy. That'd be great to play the evil guy. So they both kind of chose their roles. Wow. Yeah. George yeah, the, Lucas. Yeah, well, the other bloke didn't know he was going to be cut out of the movie either. Well, that's right. His Yorkshire accent, corn. George Lucas came up with the name R2-D2 when he was in post-production for American Graffiti. Now, R2-D2 stands for Real 2 of the second dialogue track. So R2-D2, R2, Real 2, Dialogue 2, is how they identified the different reels, and that's how he came up with the name. Like he'd say, can you... Yeah. If, so, me, if you were yeah. saying, grab me R2-D2. Yes. That's how he came up with the name. Darth Vader, would you believe, one of the main characters, would you agree? Yes. Has only 12 minutes of screen time. Wow. In two hours. Wow. Now, I told you about Kenner and all the dramas with uh, trying to get the uh, figures done. That's why they did the empty box, the sort of the uh, early bird stuff. Here's one you'll like. Formula F1 world champion Nigel Mansell was yes. a massive Star Wars fan. Really? And he's, uh, that's why his car always carried a red five as its number. He was always a red, red five. Red five. Oh, my God. Boom. <laughs> wow. Did you notice? That's... Sorry. Yeah. Well, Nigel Man, there you go. See, Red, Red five. 5. There you have it, mate. He's a Star Wars man. He's a pom, eh, Nigel Man? Yes. There you go. Yes. Did you notice one of the best mistakes in the movie? Like a blooper they, they kept in? No. When the stormtroopers, remember that door when they press the button and it goes, it shoots up? Remember when, when the droids were there and the stormtroopers arrived? When the troopers are walking in, if you keep an eye on the bloke on the right-hand side, he hits his head on the door. <laughs> everyone noticed it, right? They, they, everyone oh, I remember you telling me this before yeah. because I think in Lego Masters they did it where he hit his head. Yes. <laughs> they did, right? And what what they did, they embraced it. So what they in the special edition, they added a sound effect to him hitting his head. So they, made, they actually oh, highlighted geez. it, which is pretty cool. Uh, did you notice the Bantha? Remember the Tusken Raiders, those creatures they were riding? Yeah. They were actually... Um, they were Asian elephants. I was going to say, they look like with, elephants with a, with, with, a, a with a suit on top of them. Yeah, there was like a costume. Um, did you see also, too, this is a, a real nerd error you'll pick up, right? When Luke picks up C-3PO's arm, remember it got ripped off? He um, He's picked up his right arm. It's a right oh, arm. No, it his left but arm. when they pick him up, it's his left arm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know whether it's... That's pretty the, bad. They can use the same one for both, but anyway... Mate, that is the end of it. I'm I'm desperate to hear your <laughs> wrap up and rating. I enjoyed the movie, Stephen. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, <laughs> we've a, picked we've picked it apart pretty solid though. Yeah. yeah. Look, but in, Did, in in without picking it apart, without all the knowledge you've given me there, um, I thought I thought it was a good movie. I enjoyed watching it. I could watch it again. Um, I'm keen to watch the next two. Yeah. Let me put it that Excellent. way. Excellent. They're on the list. Um, and. Look, I'm going to say it's a 9 out of 10. Wow. All right? Wow. I've given nine and a half and 10s before, wow. so it's not the best movie. Yeah. We'll have to wait until we do Cars, Cars 3 to work out whether <laughs> it's, it's better than one of those. Okay? No, that's brilliant. I'm impressed. 
But could you? I hope that this I do chat have with you a greater appreciation. Born. So let, and let me put this to you, and I'm not being ageist because I talk yeah, about how yes, old you are. Yes, it makes a difference that you were nine when this came yeah, out, and as a kid, and that yeah. perspective you gave me about movies of the time. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind. Of, yeah, there's nothing. There's no way to relate that. You know. Because yeah. we have so many different movies of all different genres. Yep. Now it wouldn't. Nothing would stand out now. Whereas this. Yeah. Stood out as a promo, as a trailer in the theater, everywhere it stood yeah. out. It was massive. Um, still remember so that day. That makes still a difference. Remember that day. Yeah. That I saw it for the very first time. And I, I think, and let me say this, uh, in an emotional sense, I think the other thing that I now appreciate even more, not just your age and the, and the genre of the time, but I think your brother. Just telling you you'd love it. Yeah, I think that would have really, he was right. yeah, he really was right. impacted you. Because oh, okay. the fact that he could get tickets was was like it's like winning lotto. You're thinking, what? You got tickets to see Star yeah, Wars? Yeah. It was because there wasn't like today where there's a cinema around every corner, right? And you just check online if there's the yeah. availability. And you, just, you can just rock up and there's like it's showing at 18 times a day. It was it was weeks and weeks and weeks before you could get a ticket to watch this movie. Yeah. That's how popular it was. But that's Star Wars. We've done it. We've done it. Let's look at uh, forward to next week, where oh. we're watching Mad Max Two, aka what? Hang on, stop. Yes, we haven't. We haven't done Mad Max One. I know we haven't. And next week, you'll I will let you know why. Oh, okay. But it's also known as the Road Warrior, and I'll tell you right now that was the name given to it when it was released in the US to have more appeal. If it was a if it was a Mad Max Two, people think, what's this? So Mad Max 1 was a, a decent success, but wasn't a massive hit in America. It was called The Road Warrior, like as an alternative name, for it to have more appeal to an audience who thinking, oh, okay. hang on, do I have to see the first one? This right. sta- It kind of stands alone. There's a bit of exposition, but we'll talk about that next week. My millionaire question for you. Okay. It was directed by George Miller. Okay. What other film did he direct? Oh, a. Is oh, okay. it A? Hang oh, on. good. It's multiple choice. Thank a. God. Commando. No. B. Oh. Master and Commander. Oh. C. Babe, Pig in the City. D. Dark City. I feel like it could be Master and Commander or Babe. Or both. Choose one. Choose. It's only one of those. Master and Commander. You're right about Babe. Babe. Oh, babe, Pig in the City. Who did babe, Master and Commander. You told me before. Master and Commander was uh, Peter Weir. Peter Weir. That's what I was, was, I was getting. That I was literally getting them confused. But yep. it was um, he directed. Ba- he didn't direct Babe. He produced Babe, which won an Oscar for something. But massive hit. You know the one with the pig. You know yeah, the pig that thinks I've he's a thinks he's a cattle dog. I've we'll do that. We'll okay. do it. It's okay. a really good movie. And he then he directed the sequel, Babe, Pig, Pig in the City. The cattle yeah. dog? That's why I, I thought that would confuse you, because, yeah, George Miller's directed this Road Warrior, a real rough movie, and then yeah. he also directed Babe, Pig in the City. Unbelievable. And I got you. You got me. Well, until next week, mate, thank you. The Force has been strong with this show. The Force is strong with you, Stephen. So I'm really happy that you actually watched Star Wars with me. Use of, the Force. And enjoyed it. Use the Force of the voice remote on Fetch and just ask. Absolutely right. And watch it on a big screen, high-sense TV to really... Get a sense of the force. Thank you, mate. Talk to you next time.